Blog Talk Radio. better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Netline with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great size. It's The Net Live right now. Bienvenidos a Cianello. With a tie. What did you do? Dude? I haven't touched it. Yeah, you did. Turn it down. You were here last week. Turn it down. There? Better? No? Still hot. Oh, yeah. Still hot. Still smoking hot. Oh, you're danger. Kind of like me and kind of like me and my free gun. Smoking hot. All right. Oh boy. Bienvenidos a Tianello. Gone for one week, and the audio board's shot to hell, Kevin. <laughs> Welcome to the Cinco de Mayo version of. TNL, ladies and gentlemen, 5th of May, 2014, and we find ourselves in the home court, Kevin Barnett, DJ Jeremy Roche, and one uh, traffic-weary Katie Charles, just uh, rolling into the yes. studio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for fighting the 405 this morning. Where's he from? I didn't even read it. <laughs> Newport Beach, California. Newport Beach, okay. We've been uh, strategically planning a show for at least 12 hours, but it is going to be really on point for you, the listener. Oh, boy. We have for you today, because we know you're expecting it. The national championship conversation is over. We have a national champion, and we have the coach, Shane Davis of Loyola of Chicago, will join us. He deserves applause in studio audience. Absolutely. Excited. Number one ranked team for much of the year. Yeah, probably three quarters of the year, maybe. Maybe yeah, but with people doubting them the whole way. Yeah, I don't think we. I don't think we said in our conversations about the Lewis pick that we thought Loyola wasn't deserving. I don't think that ever came up from anybody because as we looked at the people who know the coaches who were voting, Loyola was being voted number one or number two, right there. They were a quality team, and they flat out proved it. Flat out proved it. Uh, we'll have Jay Hasek in just a second. Hosek, Hosek. Oh boy! Aren't you know, aren't you guys good friends? I've known Jay for like ten years, and I still, because his name is not spelled the way his name is said, it's Hosek, but it's Hosek, Jay Hosek. So we'll have Jay in just a second. Then we'll have a regular college volleyball weekly later in the program. You okay today? A couple of different discussions. No, I'm not one. okay. It's been it's been a really long week, and I had a bad case of senioritis at Supercross this weekend. Oh boy! Drink. Drink. Yeah, yeah Katie. Last one for that until October. But uh, we'll have good discussion about the NCAA men's championship conversation. I, not that anyone really saw it, maybe, the semis that were both went five. You had to search out NCAA.com and find a stream that worked and something that you could actually watch. People were complaining the Loyola stream wasn't working during the Penn State match. And can we get on TV, please? I'm not going to lie. I, both I didn't have any problem with either stream. But Good for you. Yeah, apparently you, I was in the minority of that one. Well, there were people who were having issues, but it was out there. Congratulations to Loyola. 
Congratulations to Shane Davis. Can't wait to talk to him. Congratulations to Cody Caldwell. They called him the most outstanding player. I don't like that. Outstanding? You're the mop. Good job, mop. <laughs> Stupid. You just don't like that he's be called the mop. Right. I like MVP would be better. Most valuable player. MVP sounds good. MIP is a, a term that was used internationally for a long time. Most impressive player. I was saying most important. But so you're, then that, you're would, the, that would be me on the show. Then you're, then you're the myth. So Jeremy's our myth. I'm the myth. The I myth. did not, Kenny, and that's, that's probably a good thing. MIP is better than mop, isn't it? For sure. Good job, mop. Well, good who job, ever actually calls him a mop? Well, you don't because it's awful. <laughs> mop. Kevin will now. Yeah. Jeremy's our Just mop. Just to prove a point. Good job, Jeremy. Way to be a mop. Way to be the mop. <laughs> showing up today, you're the mop. Cody Caldwell, 20 kills, 10 digs. Impressive performance. And this was an exclamation point. 25-17, 19-25, 19 and then 25-15. That's not, hey, we squeak by. They squeak by Penn State. Yes. Tough semis for both teams. In a matchup of familiar foes, BYU versus Stanford, knowing each other, Loyola and Penn State, who know each other well. So you're going to get good matches. Then you throw in Stanford and Loyola. Who knows what you're going to get? Loyola dominated. In front of a sold-out 4,485 fans. <laughs> At least it was sold out. It was sold out. It looked good. The, little, the championship point I saw, it looked good. It looked like it was rocking. Let's get to, uh, to our guy here, because I know he has player meetings. They are in the midst of making cuts and adjustments to the roster so that they can improve themselves by just a few points and get into the national championship. So Penn State players, if you're listening, I don't know if you've had your meeting yet. I'm not sure if you've gone to your locker. You should be concerned. <laughs> Whip open your locker, and if there's a pink slip there or a note that says, See Coach J, there's an issue. You might, or when your teammates is messing with you, your scholarship might be in jeopardy. But he's chosen to join us before he goes cutting down the roster there at Penn State. Please welcome back Jay Hoss. Jay, Orale, my fellow mobs, Feliz uh, Cinco de Mayo. We need a little more volume from Jay. Stop panicking. See what happens when I'm gone. When I'm gone, All you right. guys ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can you hear me now? Tianello, Jay Hosick. Orale, Holmes. How you guys doing? Oh, Odele Holmes. Odele. It's not Odele. It's Orale. Right, Jeremy? Tell him that's done. I, I wish I could. I, I, I can't speak Spanish. I can't roll the Even R. though I look Spanish, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Is there a D in there? I don't even know if there's a D in there. Okay. What are they? Uh, anyways, it is Orale. O-R-A-L-E. Orale. That's not how it gets said, though. It, it sounds like there's a D in there most of the time. No, there's no D. It's, it's not how Beck spells it in his album. It's Odele, not Odele. <laughs> hey, many apologies for the rich white rock star <laughs> and his Spanish yes, capability. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. absolutely. All right, Jay. Tell us about championship weekend here. You guys had an exciting championship weekend. I know you come out on the short end of it, but it wasn't without some thrilling volleyball. Uh, I tell you what, guys, the real winners this weekend, with the exception of Loyola, and, and before I get any further, congratulations again to Shane and the Loyola boys. That was, uh, that was quite a weekend there for you. But the real winners, if you ask me, were the fans of college men's volleyball. This event 
got started off on Tuesday with, you know, obviously the Stanford and Erskine match, which wasn't oh, necessarily yeah. a big deal. I remember deal. that one well. Yeah, you know, it, it went over pretty much as people had expected. And then you had us playing Lewis, and that was a pretty good match. There was a lot of people in the stands, and it was, you know, it was, it was one of those things where, all right, the first night of history had gone by. But I'll tell you what, Thursday night was one of the most exciting evenings of college men's volleyball that I've been a part of since I've gotten into coaching. There were, you know, I, I don't know what the exact number is, 48, 50, or whatever the number is. I'm just going to say 5,000 because it's easy. There were 5,000 fans that stayed there from match one all the way through to the end of the last point in our match. And it was clearly almost, I think it was almost 1 a.m. by the time everything got done. And it was just a knockdown, drag-out fight by all teams involved. And, you know, BYU and Stanford went at it tooth and nail. And BYU came out in the first game, and Stanford kind of handed it to them. And I... We thought maybe this was going to go a different direction, but, you know, BYU pulled it out and they went in the fifth and, and just it was back and forth and back and forth. It was a lot of fun to watch. And then you get to our match, and, you know, we come out and sure enough, Loyola comes out hot, and we fought tooth and nail, and we split both the next three games, and we go into the fifth and we're at 10 all, and we're feeling pretty confident that we could pull that one out. And, unfortunately, the, the ball just went the other direction for us. But as disappointed as we are, it was just neat to be a part of, and I, I cannot congratulate Loyola enough on putting together a really great tournament. They hosted a lot of people, you know, obviously two more teams than most teams are used to hosting, and logistically it just it worked, and everything was well put together, and uh, hats off to that event. It was just a neat culmination for the end of that season. This is kind of the kickoff of a huge volleyball summer for the Chicago area. You get the national championship yeah. on the men's side, then you get World League twice. Yeah. Yeah, treated. That city is treated right now to good volleyball. And, and uh, you know, people that didn't know, which are not, not very many on the actual volleyball side, but people that don't know volleyball, they claim, well, I didn't know that Chicago had good volleyball. Chicago is a hotbed of volleyball. There is a yeah. lot of good stuff going on there. So All you Chicago say is, is a Barnett city that's going to be shining this year. Barnett, Hoff, Rooney. No. That's it. No. There's a few more than that, but, yeah, it's, it's been uh, – Ooh. It, it definitely is a city that is, that is hosting well. And when I think – what was it, Poland? When Poland is in town, there's more Polish fans than our American fans. Uh, also when Bulgaria is there, and that will happen this summer. There will be more Bulgarian fans than there will United States fans. And uh, I'd love to put that out there as a challenge, but a challenge is when you think something different might actually occur, when you think that there could be – some sort of uh, when the result is in question. But I'll well, tell you, you know, right what now. What we need is we need Gardhoff to buy a house in Chicago and then have BQ out there. Yeah, we need we need VolBQ, I don't know, Chicago. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Chicago <laughs> edition. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> edition. Yeah, yeah. VolBQ. Absolutely. The MW, <laughs> Midwest VolBQ. Uh, Jay, what's <laughs> your match against Lewis? Did, did Lewis at all justify their pick as the at-large? How do you think that that played out in the minds of folks that were either in favor or not in favor of Lewis being the at-large pick? How do you think they I, came I, out I, of that match? Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you my exact thoughts. This is my thoughts. This is not me representing Penn State. This is my thought. You know what I'm going to say? I could care less what they think. They were there. They earned the spot. They got the nod. They played us to get into the semis. If anybody has an issue with that, take it up with the NCAA. They've done a great job all year long of putting together all the analysis, 
and I hear all the arguments all the time. Oh, we take this into consideration. We take that into consideration. We put extra weight on this. You know what? I don't care. I don't care. It's over with now. It was a great Final Four. Leave it at that. Quit tarnishing the damn thing. It was awesome to be a part of. And so, Lewis, hats off to them. They fought hard. We won. We move on. Next story. Uh, well, I, I just want to point out, you said it was an awesome Final Four. Actually, they didn't make the Final Four. They were just a part of the Final Six. Just... Yes, they were. Yes, thank you. We're going to split hairs. Yes, Bonnie, was, they were part of the Final Four. <laughs> Technically, they weren't even a part of the NCAA tournament. They were part of a play-in match. But I'm going to call it the Final Six anyway, so there. Jay, Jay, how do you think? How do you think I feel after their match against you guys? <laughs> well, it, it, I'm sorry, Barney, that you feel a little jilted about the whole thing. But you guys are <laughs> going to be pretty good next year, and and you know we'll see how the chips make, how the chips fall. You never know. You it just never know. Never die. There wouldn't be this whining. So you tell be really on this. you tell Missouri Baptist and McKinnon or McKinney or whoever just to watch out. Well, Lewis <sighs> is going to be next year. <laughs> Barney, you're showing your Pierce education right there. I don't know. Oh, if you oh man. <laughs> oh. Jay, hit me where it hurts. Yes, yes. Well, I'm a fellow JC guy. I'm allowed to do those things, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, the, the bottom line is people are going to have their opinions on whether or not they feel that Lewis deserved to be there. They were there. They fought hard. They brought a crowd. It is what it is. We move forward, so. How about the the citizenship status for Cody Caldwell? Do you think he will be allowed back over the border into California or into Newport Beach itself after his performance for a, a Midwest school? And, and I wonder, in the recruiting of Cody, Cody Caldwell, and on, on a serious note, what is it about Loyola that sold him? Uh, you know, I, I can't come in on the recruiting thing too much because I wasn't part of that whole scenario. I, I know that some schools in California looked at him. I'll tell you what, from a personal standpoint, I, I coached him a little bit on the junior team when he was trying out for it the last couple of years. I don't know where that Cody was that played this past weekend, but he was not there when we were, te- when we were trying him out for the team. He's a nice player. Cody did a really nice job trying out for the team, and you know, all year long he's had some nice numbers. He was not that good when we looked at him. And I tell you what, I'm watching the match, and I'm thinking to myself, this kid can do no wrong. And kudos to Cody for coming out of the woodworks and showing everybody that they slept on him. And cause he did a really nice job of towing that line. And, you know, everybody was looking at, um, you know, Jeffy and saying he was going to be the X Factor in this match. Well, Cody Caldwell was the kid. And uh, my hat's off to him, and congratulations to him for doing that. Do you think we'll see a lot more kids making those choices? Will this match and the success recently, you look back at Ohio State as well, of Midwest schools, do you think we'll see a lot more kids drawn to the Eastern and Midwestern schools? I think there's already been kids from the West Coast that have come out East and Midwest. It just hasn't been as many as as maybe there are now. I know that we have a couple. I know that Ohio State has a few. I know that Loyola has a few, and I know there's some teams out here in our conference that have a few, Princeton and Harvard to be exact. The challenge is going to be, and John Costi really said it right, there's so many kids that play at a high level, and there's just nowhere for them to go. And so when you look at California, there's a few things that ring true to me. One is, you know, these teams, uh, I'm being beckoned into my office. I got my next player meeting I got to go to right now. Can I call back a little later and fill in that spot? Because it's a really good point. Yeah, go ahead. Jay, okay. I'll be checking out. Sorry about that. Got a real job, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back. <laughs> uh, 
right. We'll see you in a little bit. Maybe one of the things that that I want to ask later of Jay and maybe of Shane when we have him on here in just a few minutes is what would be the effect of actual scholarship support for the sport? Because I I don't know if this is exactly where Jay was going, but it, it seemed like part of it. There are vibrant volleyball communities, a couple of them across the United States. California for boys is the biggest. There's no doubt. It's the biggest place, the most participation, particularly Southern California, for boys' volleyball. Illinois happens to be another one. Illinois happens to be a place that has grown substantially since they added volleyball as an intercollegiate sport in 1991. If you have most of the kids in California, and you as a parent or you as a kid are left with the choice of going to Loyola, paying... And that, I think it's a private school. It's mm-hmm. not a state school. So you've got to pay state private tuition. tuition there and out of state if they – and Loyola may, may have it. Private is the same across the board. Oh, okay. School, schools divide it differently. But Penn State, for instance, you're going to pay out of state tuition to go to Penn State. Or stay here, pay in-state tuition, and walk on or be a part of the team at UCLA, UC Santa Barbara, anywhere. There's 10 schools that you could choose from. Yeah. That's an easy choice to stay. If you had increased scholarship support, if, if the scholarship number wasn't four and a half, which it is now, and it looked more like eight or ten, something, something that was even enough starters, just cover the starters, yeah. seven players. If it was starters, I think you would see a dramatic evening of the playing field, an evening of the talent. We're seeing a little bit already, but I think it would be almost immediate. We're seeing it in the way that they handle financial aid, especially. So if you look at a lot of the West Coast kids that are choosing Harvard and Princeton and they're getting more competitive, it's because they've changed the way they dole out financial aid at those institutions. Same with Loyola of Chicago. Because they're private, they can give merit-based aid that can supplement Mm -hmm. an athletic scholarship. State schools, it's a much bigger pool of kids, so you don't see as much like a Penn State or an Ohio State would be at a disadvantage with that. But the private schools are able to fund it. I want somebody to explain to me the half scholarship. Well, that it's, it's just not dollars. Half, so it's, it's figures. It's a certain amount of money, and they can because their scholarship total is less than the total number of starters on the team. They're called. They're not fully funded, essentially. Gotcha. So they could divvy up those scholarships. Like one person could be on a full scholarship, and another person could be getting five hundred dollars to cover books. Yeah. So they can divvy up that money any way they want to. You know, baseball operates in the same way. I think they're like nine point two scholarships or something along those lines for some sports. It's a percent thing. Yeah. So, for instance, when I played at Pepperdine, first year I received like fifty five percent. The next year was like seventy seven percent. Gotcha. Because mm-hmm. they had more money freed up, and and I got in a situation where they didn't have more than that half left when they were recruiting me then some things changed later and i could have gotten a full but once you've awarded a half you can't then award another half oh interesting i think because you signed a letter for that year you signed a contract essentially for that year they can't give you another half then it re-ups the next year and then i got up to 77 percent the next year but even then at pepperdine it was it was pretty big money now it's insane money but to your point, though, Kevin, money. I, I mean, it's just it would be more opportunities for kids here to go to other schools, so especially kids who, like, yeah, they could walk on at UCLA, but they may never, ever sniff the court. But at another school, they could, you know, maybe not start, but, like, you know, be one of the main subs or potentially start for a small start. school. And then, Look you know. at the Conference Carolinas. They're going to be able to start pulling people because they do have the scholarship money down there. They're and all you, funded. And you never know, when Jay was talking about the development of Cody, you never know where that player is going to go. So Cody Caldwell of two years ago is not Cody Caldwell today. 
not Cody Caldwell, 20 kills, 10 digs. And you never get that chance to work with that kid. You never get a chance to see what's possible because, to Jeremy's point, he walks on here and maybe he's just a bench player. He never gets the game experience. Yeah. What could have been for somebody who has some physical tools that if he went to another situation where he played a lot, what would he develop into? Well, I think like anything, right away, if there's more opportunities around the country, kids would you know be spread out. But then the top schools would still rise to the surface, like always. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like UCLA, if all of a sudden these kids can go around the country and UCLA and other top schools aren't going to, you know, be highly um, competitive in recruiting. My guess it would make like a Northridge or a Sandy, UC San Diego farther. That's because they don't give, UC San Diego doesn't give scholarships give, at all. Every athlete gets $500. Yeah. Like I said, they don't give scholarships at all. Uh, there's a question on the chat board, Kevin said. So so what is signed for this year stays for the year? Is that what Kevin is saying? Yes. Okay. That's my understanding. Now, that was years and years that ago. Is and that correct. was my understanding. So once you sign your um, financial aid and grant paperwork, that's all you can get. You can't change them throughout the year. So it would have to be start of a new year. Man, reading that NCAA manual a couple times a year finally paid off for something. There you go. I like having you here because I would be just saying this is how it was for me and this is my memory. You actually know. Um, let's see. Do you think walk-ons have to prove themselves even more than a scholarship athlete because coaches don't want to be wrong on their recruits? In the Maybe more so in the women's game yeah, cause yeah. because you have 12 scholarships available. You right. can, I mean, everybody in addition to those 12 scholarships is a bonus at that juncture. Um, but with guys when only four and a half, you're not even covering your starting lineup. And that's the joke to me. That's the joke. Any sport, well, like if you the... can't, quote-unquote, field a starting lineup. Baseball, how many players on the field? Was it 11? 11. 11, right? Nine and a half, 9.2? 9.2. Again, stupid. They might be up to 11 point something now, but... Again, stupid. Like, let's at least, if you're going to call something fully funded, which is what this is called, let's call fully funded... You can feel the team. <laughs> Correct. Otherwise, let's call it partially funded. Because I think that's fun called. word yeah. semantics for, for the NCAA to play. Oh, no, they're fully funded. Nine players in the baseball. I just, Nine? I just closed my eyes and looked at the field. Okay. Yeah, I don't, okay. yeah, I don't know baseball well. So <laughs> Maybe 11 with the first and third base coach. So <laughs> they are. So fine. Baseball, call it fully funded. Yeah. Men's volleyball? No. Sorry. Not fully funded. Well, don't you guys say, like, on the women's side, too, if you what, they have 12 or 14? 12. 12. Are all 12 of them getting on the court? Hell no. Well, and the other Almost thing was, with the sub rules. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, so, with the paddles. And yeah, the no, sign, no paddles. sign-in sheet. I want a sign-in sheet. Yeah. You sign in and sign out. Yeah. And oh, have your coach, yeah, like your parents would pick you up. From Should, the it, be Should yeah. it be a dry erase? Should it be a dry erase? 100%. And you put that, a check <laughs> or an X or slide the little <laughs> magnet. You slide yes. your magnet. So-and-so is in. Now he's out. Or what's that? Back in Back in 15 points. What's that? Uh, I think it was Chinese, like how they would do the math back in the day. Uh, the, uh, Abacus? Abacus? Yes. Yes, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's that really? The fully funded versus partially funded? Um, they call them headcount sports or um, yeah. uh, equivalency sports. The headcount sport means women's volleyball has 12 scholarships. If you have all 12 scholarships, you can't break them up at all. So everybody has to have one scholarship, so you can only give out 12. But if you're in an equivalency sport, it just means that the amount of money that you give out has to yeah. equal this yeah. men's volleyball. It's four point five. So you're not but necessarily giving. This is the this is the title nine. The start of the title nine discussion. Of course. Is, where is the line between 
giving opportunities to women when you're starting to take away from men. We've crossed that line. Yeah, we're well we cro- past We've that crossed line. that line a while ago. That's like jumping the shark. Uh, that's happened quite some time ago. And you know, uh, I was not here last week, as everybody knows, because I don't know what happened <laughs> we last didn't, week because I didn't we listen didn't to the yell, show. There was no problem. But I was hoping that I would come in today and you guys wouldn't be talking to each other and you'd have to talk to each other through me. Like everyone would be you like, wanted to be more important today. Jeremy, can you tell Katie that uh, she needs to check the message board? And then Katie would be like, Kevin, I already saw that. Um, but Jeremy, please tell him. <laughs> that's what I was hoping would happen today. <laughs> we were astoundingly uh, civil last week. Unfortunately, you guys didn't duke it out. <laughs> People think that I am I am total anti Title IX, and that's really not the case. What, what I am is I want sensible reform. I want some sort of – I want the application of that ideal to fit the circumstances. And in my mom's era, the lack of opportunity for women was obvious and egregious. It needed today, it. Needed it. Today, there is no lack – of opportunity. I defy anyone. And this includes Bev Odin. Bev Odin, show me where the lack of opportunity is. is. Show me where a female athlete who wants to play in a juniors setting from the age of 5 on to 18, who wants to participate, show me where that isn't available because of male chauvinism yeah, or yeah. favoritism to males. It does, in, in my reading, in my experience, that no longer exists. Now, I cannot speak to a lot of big-time football programs and other things around other universities. Yeah. The universities that I see and have a lot of touch with, I don't see it there either. So tell me where that's happening at a university level. Yeah. Beyond that, at the pro level, tough crap. Your sports don't draw people. As does my sport. Pro levels entertainment anyways. Yeah, your sport does not draw people. The WNBA does not exist as a business unto itself. You are funded by the NBA. It is at best squeaking by. And this is true of men's volleyball. It's why there is no league. It is not a business. It's the reason the beach has gone up and down so often because it isn't a business. So the pro level, you don't get some sort of gender equity on the pro level. So show me where... You can apply gender equity to universities and junior programs. Show me where the lack of opportunity for the female athlete exists. I think right now there are more programs and opportunities than there are interested women in many cases. You don't have a bunch of female athletes going, we want to play this sport and our school won't let us because we are women. Yeah. Which used to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Would the concern be, though, that if they start paying more attention to the men again and giving more scholarships that – vicariously some of those would go away for the women and they would feel like that's taking away opportunity? I have heard that. And again, I cannot speak to the SEC, the ACC, these big football schools. That is the concern, that if they yield an inch, these other groups will take 10 feet and chop into what's happening. Now, it's going to change. Things are changing now because of the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, because of the unionization at Northwestern. All of that's really an unknown, and not only for women's sports, but also for small men's sports. Of course. Mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing about this discussion, if I get into it with Bev Oden or Nina Matthews or whomever else, is that really at the end of the day, small men's sports are at, at lucky to be on par with some of the female sports, particularly women's volleyball, because it's a pretty big sport. That, will, that sport will probably do better than my sport will do. <laughs> you know, that's... That's the funny part is that I'm actually uh, my sport is actually subservient to that of the concerns of Nina Matthews and so on. 
But I understand Nina, and I understand some of the other women that have been through the war. Of course, that went through what it took to actually get this type of opportunity that exists today here in 2014. Because there are probably women now who have gone through that timeline, helped them get there, and they can't. I would assume so it would be hard to see outside of that. Be like, I wouldn't have had this opportunity if there wasn't Title Nine. Get him out. I got text coming in from Jay. I'm looking at the clock because we got our guy Check. coming on. Jay, bad that we're talking Title Nine without him. Check right? your closet door so your yeah, don't let ham and cheese doesn't <laughs> go in. <laughs> don't let the ham in the attic. The cat is in the studio. Uh, yeah, and, and I get it because somebody like Nina of Nina's era, yeah. she went through an incredible amount of lack of opportunity. Then she went on to be a coach, again, where there's a bunch of discriminatory practices happening. So I get the people that have been through through that whole process. Now, I, I can't say, hey, I totally understand how you feel, because I don't. Uh, oh, how could you? I just sent you a nonsensical text. <laughs> the text I told him to call in at 1060. I'm not sure what time that is. In, in theory, uh, Siri located your text message for you. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I understand that, but at the same time, I want some yielding, and I want some recognition from them. Today is a far different circumstance, and that now, to Katie's point, we are, and we set up for legislating men's participation to only that of women's interest. It needs to be discussed, that's for sure, my professional opinion. And we, you can't have a discussion because it turns into shouting about women and this and that, and... You know, an athlete's an athlete. Every time a men's program gets cut, do you know who the biggest supporters are of trying to keep the program? The female athletes. Yeah. In the same sport. 773. Yep. Shane Davis, who's going in? That's right. Oh. Well, your birthday reminder is popping up on your computer. Right now. <laughs> I know. I got, <clears throat> it's my buddy's birthday. i got to call him later. <laughs> Hang on. Let me. Wait. i got to go. i got to call him. For <laughs> hold on, everybody. We're going we're gonna to put the show on hold so Kevin can... Anything for me? Yeah, I'm just I'm getting pumped. I'm getting information. <laughs> oh boy! The rise of the Ramblers has been precipitous. This man's a former standout at the school. He's in his 11th season this year as the head coach of the Loyola Men's Volleyball Program. He's been three-time. MIVA Coach of the Year. That's right, MIVA. MIVA Coach of the Year. He's enjoyed incredible success coming into this year. He had 208 wins against just 85 losses and drove Loyola to its first ever Final Four appearance last year out here at Pauley Pavilion. This year, they were hosting and dreaming of the possibility of not only playing in the Final Four in their own building, but winning it in front of their fans, and they did just that this past Saturday. Please welcome into the Net Live, Shane Davis, national champion head coach. Shane. Thanks, guys. Hey, how are you? Thanks for being here. Congratulations, man. Boy, what, what an incredible season. Coming off last year, you get to your first Final Four, you come out here to, to Pauly. You don't end up with the national title. You go back home. Did you feel like we're going to go right back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the big, the big piece for us last year was just getting there. You know, with a few freshmen on the floor and a young group of guys, it was exciting to be there. Um, and, uh, you know, after the 
the loss and talking with the guys in the locker room, they were, they were ready to go the next day to get back in the weight room and training, and uh, it was a huge piece of uh, and a good, you know, mentally the guys are in a, a great spot after that loss and, and fired up to get back in here for this year. You're going through the season. You're ranked number one for a substantial portion of the season. How do you keep your kids focused through what what anyone would probably agree with, not the strongest conference schedule. You guys did what you needed to do, but how do you keep your players playing at that top number one level? Um, you know, it was kind of a, a tough part going um, through the, that piece of the schedule. Um, but, you know, we were moving some, uh, like moving the chips around a little bit with the lineup and throwing some different guys in there and kind of keep keeping those guys hungry as well and then setting some, um, like, match-to-match goals for the guys as well and 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 um, kind of moving with that piece but it was um more of just kind of one day at a time one match at a time and you know it was the big picture piece so I had the big pic- picture piece down and we have our ultimate goals but those guys were so good getting better coming in the gym getting better every single day and really making a conscious effort of making sure they get better and it was just one of those years where it was just a unbelievable group of guys to coach and you know they're like self-motivating, it was it was really a great great season for that. So you guys go twenty nine and one. I mean, what happened on January fourth? What what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Watch back that video again. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we ran into you know obviously a third third day, um, three matches on the third day. But USC was a, a, a good team, and they came in there. They were fired up. Um, they watched us the previous night play BYU. Um, so they had a little bit of information on us, and uh, you know they put us a, some great job serving on us and digging and just kind of wore us out and tired us down a little bit. But um, yeah, it was a tough match, and it was just they were the better team that night. I mean, okay, on the one hand, it's not great to have competition. Maybe St. Francis, Lindenwood, Quincy, some of these other teams that when you walk in, you're expected to be the better team and to win. But it seems like one of the advantages of that type of schedule would be that winning begets winning, and your team gets used to that confidence. Mm-hmm. And did you see that rise in your team throughout the year? As you guys, you haven't lost a match since the fourth of January. That was that three-one to USC. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, you know, different teams just kind of do different things uh, in our conference, and so it kind of you know, prepared us to play a little bit different style of volleyball as well with some of the teams. So, you know, I had it plus and minuses about it. But, um, you know, other than that, it was just, you know, a good motivation for these guys, especially when we're number one. You know, rankings don't mean anything, but it was like, hey, we're number one. We've got to make sure we keep this and we get better. So that was kind of cool as far as helping them um, stay motivated throughout the season as well. Now, rankings don't mean anything when you're like number ten or twelve. You're like, oh, this is right. they don't mean anything. When you're number one, it's like, yeah, man, we're 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 number one. Yeah. Like, all right, tell me about Penn State. You guys are in the semifinals against Penn State, a team with whom you are quite familiar, and it's ten ten in the fifth. As a coach, what's going through your mind? Um, it was. It was one of those weird matches where I felt like we were just kind of a little bit, I don't know if the, the nerves were hitting us or what the deal was, but our, our serve and pass game was, wasn't that great. And, um, it, and those are the two things that we're traditionally very, very good at. And so it was just one of those things that 10-10, game five, do whatever it takes to win. I don't care if it looks good, looks ugly, whatever it is. We just need to scrap, out scrap, and make some plays. And, and we, what we need is kind of a, hopefully a momentum play. Um, uh, to kind of get us rallied. We were kind of 
dragging a little bit that fifth set, but you know they went to their go-to guy a couple of times, Aaron Russell, and were able to put a, a decent block in front of him and, and got him. And then he made a couple of errors late in set five, which really obviously helped us out. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too much panic mode, but it was just whatever we can to win at, at that point. I didn't care if it was uglier or not. How different is the prep for a Penn State who you know, who you've seen earlier in the year? You guys defeated them 3-1, and that was back in March. How different is the prep when you're then going to play Stanford, a team that you don't know and haven't seen? And I, don't, I wonder how much your guys even know about the players individually. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it almost seemed like Stanford was easier, in a sense, to prep for. In my opinion, it's just I feel like Stanford and us were so similar in terms of the style of play. Um, you know, okay. running the big, the fast tempo offense, both great serving teams, both great receiving teams. Um, and so versus like a Penn State where they got one big gun that you've got to kind of worry about and they've kind of run the middles a little bit different and this guy runs a big sometimes and so and there was a higher ball and so Stanford was just hey this is what we run every day in practice with the second team um, this we should be on it we should be good this is nothing unfamiliar or uncharted territory so we felt really comfortable going into that and for us it was just a matter of can we handle their serving and can we keep them keep Big James Shaw off the net. You guys come out in set number one against Stanford in the final and defeat them 25-17. And I wonder what you say in the huddle or what your message is to your team. How do you treat them after that first set to keep them focused? And I think back to the women's national team in the Olympic Games. They dominated a first set against Brazil, even more so than a 17-25-17 score. And then they kind of took their pedal off the gas, but I wonder the excitement of being at home in the national championship just the second time. You guys come out and dominate that first set. What, what do you say to your players? Um, well, after that first set, we go to the other side and we just start talking about, hey, we got we dominated it in a sense, but then Stanford also kind of started making some quite a few service errors, some hitting errors, um, and so. Basically, hey, these guys are going to be on this set. They're going to be start attacking the court a little bit better. They're going to pick up their serving pressure. Um, and so those guys were kind of ready for, okay, we're going to get a little bit more of this set, and we've got to make sure that we're prepared and ready to go. Um, and then, you know, set two, Stanford comes out and rips four aces on us pretty early, and uh, that set yep. kind of got a little uh, away from us. And plus, we weren't point scoring that well that second set, and then we didn't start point scoring until the end of the uh, set two, getting that momentum to set three. Yeah, so you have to then manage a different type of situation. It's managing the confidence in set one, and then it's managing the set two defeat. So between sets two and three, what is the message? How do you, how do you change messages here based on what's happening on the floor? Well, um, coming over, there's a couple guys that were pretty bummed out about set two, and kind of their heads were a little bit down. And you know, and this is nothing you know bad towards other programs, but it's kind of like hey we just didn't lose to some high school team or anything like that it's like it's standard it's a national championship we're gonna we might lose a set it's okay you know and so they kind of rallied around and Caldwell was in in the middle of it and getting the guys fired up and focused and but the guys played loose they had a smile on their face they came back out set three and bounced back right away we had a question on the chat board here. They said, uh, can you ask Shane what he was telling his players during game four when they were rolling Stanford and Stanford called those two timeouts almost back-to-back? 
I, I wonder how much you even talk to guys if you have that much timeout time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and that's the thing. I, I feel like I was looking up at the clock, and there's still 40 seconds left of this timeout. You don't want to say too much to them. Just kind of, hey, keep enjoying the moment, having fun out there, and and uh, keep smiling and, and enjoy the crowd. You know, it's at that point, there's not too much strategy left in terms of just keeping the pressure on them and, and keep making plays, and it's kind of what they did. You're listening to the Net Live. We are talking to Shane Davis, head coach of the Loyola Ramblers, who are your NCAA men's volleyball national champions with a record of 29-1, and a three-sets-to-one victory back on Saturday over Stanford University. In that match, the mop, most impressive player, I don't, or most outstanding player, I still don't like that, mop, we'll call him the MVP, Cody Caldwell has 20 kills, 10 digs. This kid's from out here in Newport Beach. Tell me about recruiting a player from California to come all the way to Chicago. Because I've made the reverse journey, and I'm not sure right. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was kind of a unique story in a sense. It's um, you know we we had tapped in the Southern California market a little bit, had a couple guys, but nothing like like the blue chip um, recruit that Cody was. And it was kind of a weird connection. Um, Cody's mom went to college with my um, second cousin. And okay. so it was just kind of, a, oh, it's a family connection kind of started there. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, hey, maybe I can get him out on a visit just because of the family connection. And then all of a sudden we're getting him for a visit. And, you know, the weather's great. It was a good weekend. And it was just, um, it was kind of the right time. And in, in a sense, it was really a great fit for, for Cody and, and what he wanted at that time. And, um, it was just a, a big statement for, for us as a program as well, being able to land a, a kid like that. It was one of the two 70-degree, no-humidity weekends they have in <laughs> yeah. Chicago yearly, and uh, maybe maybe Taste of Chicago was happening or something. Yeah, got a good yeah. Well, and of course, when they come on campus, I say it's 75 every day like this, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except the other six, eight months of the year. Uh, yeah. Oh, so that's funny. You can place six degrees of, of Shane Davis to get a connection. I like that. It's kind of like yeah. uh, Kevin Bacon. Uh, but you get a player in, but then you have to develop a player. And we had Jay Hasek on here earlier. He said, look, I had Cody on the junior national team. The Cody that I saw in that national championship match was not nearly the Cody that I had seen in junior nationals a couple of years before. Tell me about the development of Cody as a player and as a participant and member of your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, to be honest, he came in freshman year, and, um, you know, I think there was so many high expectations for him, and we had some, you know, put a lot of pressure on him to be good right away, and he was great in the fall, and, you know, and then, you know, first year of college is never never easy uh, with things, and, and, and volleyball, and life, and, and everything, and so there's a big transition uh, moment for him, and that first year, and really understanding on how hard you really have to work you know, off the court, in the weight room, and, and do all of those things. And um, he kind of went downhill a little bit in terms of just body and performance and, um, you know, and still trying to manage his studies at the same time. And then, you know, he got a little bit of taste of it. You know, obviously we went to the Final Four, and, you know, he had, a, in my opinion, a pretty decent match against Irvine. And then, but we hadn't really had much out of him that year. And then he says, I got a little taste of it, and then he just kicked um, kicked it into high gear over the summer. You know, he's coming back, and he's got some triceps, and, you know, his, his legs are a lot stronger. And, 
you know, he's doing some things a, a little bit better in the gym and, you know, all the, you know, um, academics now are, are picking up and he's killing there and just kind of everything was starting to come together for him this year and he was one of the most uh, kind of consistent players throughout this season for us and uh, I, I couldn't be happier as far as the transformation he's made since day one till now. It's been great. Shane, every time I go to USA Volleyball Banquets and whether it be the AVCA convention or the upcoming Boyce Banquet here in a couple of weeks in Phoenix, and host these events where we're honoring coaches in the game, no matter what level they are, high school coaches, college coaches, professional coaches uh, that are being inducted perhaps into the Hall of Fame in Holyoke, they always mention their spouse and the role that their spouse plays in supporting their career because (laughs) coaching in general is just such an all-encompassing thing. And you have a daughter, Sydney, you have your wife, Andrea. What kind of role is she playing for you? Uh, and she's uh, she's been unbelievable, um, you know, and she's you know always there for me when I come home, and you know she gives me a few minutes to kind of, to vent, and I'm sure it's the last thing she wants to hear after a very long day is me complain about things <laughs> if things are going so so. Um, but she's been unbelievable supportive f- with me and with the guys and the program in general, and she's just been been a champ, and uh, she's you know, and we've got another daughter on the way that's actually due any day now um i think gosh she was holding off till after the final four um but just the just all the support and what she's been doing just in the last month you know being the nine plus months pregnant and coming to all the games and she actually had to sit out the um halfway through set five of penn state <laughs> she was having some contractions and so it's been quite the ordeal and it, she's been absolutely unbelievable well, good for you. I hope everything goes well with uh, having another daughter, and good for you that you will not have to pay for school as long as you can coach your own kids. Uh, you, are, you are clear for that, so go ahead and spend the college funds, Shane. Right. A new car or something. I don't know. Hey, uh, you were Loyola Athlete of the Year in 2003, Male Athlete of the Year, and you were a setter. What is it about setters that they make such good coaches? Um, I don't know. I think maybe just kind of a more understanding of the uh, – the total game. Uh, I was just kind of thinking of my training and how many, how much time you spend in the office with the coach going over a video and talking about all the other positions and, you know, the, the offensive strategy and what we're trying to do in trans and all that kind of stuff. And so I feel like you get a better understanding of maybe the entire piece of the game versus just kind of one position specifics type stuff that um, it's just, I feel like a little bit different in the, with the quarterback piece, like, like the setting position. Instead of me spike ball, me spike ball hard. Yeah. Jump high and hit hard. Yeah. <laughs> my thinking about volleyball. Hey, there was a lot of consternation and discussion, I mean, mostly on this program, about the selection of Lewis as the at-large and the role that non-conference scheduling played in that decision. And I look at your schedule. You had UC Irvine, BYU, USC, you have Penn State in there. I wonder, how do you go about building a schedule, perhaps with RPI or strength of schedule or the end result of the year in mind, outside of just the experience for your players? How do you build what you think will be an effective schedule for your team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, First, if you have I guess, an understanding of the RPI and how it's calculated and, the, um, and how it's, it's very important now to you know, for that out-of-conference schedule now for the Carolinas and the EIBA and the MPSF, 
um, you know, to schedule that and have that diversity in your um, into your schedule a little bit. Um, but I mean, we're going to schedule tough. We're going to try to play as many MPSF teams as we can. We're going to try to have a good, um, basically, portfolio of a schedule um, to give ourselves a lot of a uh, lot of different looks and uh, for the best chance at at an at large and keep that uh, alive towards the end of the season. But um, it's going to be very interesting to see um, if the MPSF coaches are now going to look at that and say, hey, we got to schedule something, we got to set some weekends uh, apart, or however we need to do it so they can travel out or open up some additional weekends for um, different conferences to come in and play them now. Hey, we had a, a listener write in, David Rubin wrote in, and he, and he was asking about the role of your setter. And we mentioned that you were a setter, and obviously it gives you kind of a unique opportunity to coach a player that's at your position. But he said that he felt like Peter Hutz deserved a, a ton of credit. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, being, you know, your, your coach is the position you played. <laughs> and he, I'm sure it's not easy for him because I've got such a I'm very critique of, of what he's doing, and I'm on him all the time. And he's probably like, coach, get off me. Just let me do it, you know, and <laughs> – and, you know, we've had many, many discussions about things on how um, I can sit there in practices and, you know, be technical for a little bit, and then I've got to move to strategy stuff with him. And so we've, I'm all about on how, what's best for him as far as information I'm giving him and, and how I'm doing it and what timing I'm, I'm giving him. But he is definitely an underrated setter. I mean, granted, we passed well, but he's got to get the ball to the right guy. I mean, you saw the – national championship i mean he was just delivering the ball exactly where he needed to do for those hitters and open situations but um yeah he's it's it's great the fact that i can i played that position in that position and uh helping him out but um he's just a great kid and takes the feedback and gets better it's been an um outstanding improvement from uh when he came in last year yeah, no doubt an outstanding season for your team. Uh, who have we missed here? Who's uh, the unknown asset on or off the floor that hasn't maybe gotten the attention they deserved or people just don't know about that's been a critical part of your success this year? Um, probably, you know, like Owen McAndrews comes to um, to my head a little bit. He's our uh, undersized middle. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He's uh, an unbelievable kid. Uh, but he came in last year. We moved him to left side. He was working on passing pretty much all year. Then at the beginning of the year, this year, we moved him to right side. And then I think it was January time. And, hey, you want to place the middle? We have we need a little bit of extra support there. So first time really kind of playing middle was um, our first match of the year of Irvine of actually getting some any game experience. So, I mean, he's just been a stud at that position and just taken it by the horns and, and has run with it. And um, I, we asked him to do a ton just um, based off just with his lack of experience. So I think he does a, a great job for us and uh, just a great kid and great ambassador of our program. And he's a, he's a stud. Shane Davis in his 11th season with Loyola Chicago takes home the national title, a record of 29-1, and one, the Denver-Iowa native and the Loyola alumni brings glory and the only second-ever national championship to his school. Shane Davis, congratulations on the victory. Enjoy it. I know you're probably already planning for next year, but I hope you get a chance <laughs> to really enjoy this victory and a, a special one and, and hope, to, hope to see you out with the national team this year when they come and visit Chicago a couple of times. Make sure some of your kids uh, get out there, and we'll look Absolutely. forward to maybe seeing you in person. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Shane Davis, national champion.
head coach. That's got to feel good. Oh, that's a nice, yeah, nice ring to it. Right off the tongue, national champion head coach. Just any national Shea championship. Just, yeah. Just bask in Player, the glory of coach, that. Yeah. No matter oh. what, you're wearing that ring eventually. It's pretty darn nice. Yeah, when you're when you're drunk in the Mystic in Belgium, it, it feels pretty good. <laughs> the Mystic in Belgium. Yeah, that was our bar, center of town. Nice. Yeah. Win the win the Belgian championship. Win the cup championship. Lay in the Mystic, on the floor. <laughs> yeah. The world is spinning, but it feels good. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a heck of a season. And Loyola. We've talked about the fact they were ranked number one, and we looked at the people who were ranking them number one. You look at their victories early in the year over UC Irvine, over BYU, uh, 3-1 loss, close one to USC. Then they go and run the table, and then they put an exclamation point on it. Well done by the Ramblers. Well done. And and they stay good next year. We're going to talk with our College Volleyball Weekly crew. Jay will not be back. He's... He's got meetings and stuff. Pav's got him pinned down. Pav said that the 10-10 in the fifth is unacceptable, and Jay, it's your fault. You need to fix this. So Jay is already ensconced in 2015. But we will have Robbie on here. And if Vinny's on the chat board, we'll try and get Vinny as well. We'll have Robbie on here and talk about next year. Jay and I were chatting yesterday a little bit about next year and who's going to stay good Yeah, next year. Loyal is one of those teams. Hey, They're real young. They're they right. stay good. So look out for Loyola next year. Lewis also good again next year. Sorry, Sorry Katie. Katie. Don't worry about it. It's just a cap. I just needed my eardrums. <laughs> Let's take a short break here on the Net Live. We still have College Volleyball Weekly coming up. We'll discuss some beach because, Jeremy, you're back. Uh, we miss you when you're not here to talk about a little bit of beach. We had a D3 Men's Championship wrap-up. Yeah. going to call in. Charlie. From Kane University. Genix. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yep, we had him a couple weeks ago. He will call back, and we'll wrap up D3 a little bit. Lots more to come, and I'm sure some other inane references, maybe even <laughs> some movie quotes here Sweet. on TNL Live. Wait, It'll be awesome. We're well prepared this week. It'll be know. awesome on TNL.
two. Yeah, this sure is your heart, muscle, breast, in your chest cavity. We ask God to bless these festivities, yet this hostility felt between you and me stops. Opportunity given to spread unity, tuna be rhythmically wiping sadness clear. Kevin is trying to take over the music, and I am not letting it happen. You had your chance to play your music last week, Kevin. I wasn't Come here. All right, hold you on should have seen those shenanigans. I made him hand over the thing after the first song. Dude, Love Life's pretty good. I don't want to hear it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll, yeah. play, it, I'll play it later. But. <laughs> oh, good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's just breathing heavy. He just ran a mile. I have so many. <laughs> what playlist is this on? Hold on. Like it's 2.40 in the morning. It's awfully terrible, but yeah. Wait till he's going for it here, because it's like the middle of your song. Stop trying so hard to listen. We're dropping to be so with me. No. No. <laughs> not. Dang it. All right, I lose. Here's what I played before. Here's what I played last week. Hold on. Hold I, on. I'm sorry, everybody. Sorry, <laughs> all five of our listeners who are still listening. Listen, here's what I played it. last week. Uh, that's not it. I managed uh, Wild Cub Thunderclatter made it on here. And then, uh, that's not it. Hold on. I got it right Bleachers, here. I want to get better. Those are my yeah, favorites. and I knew that okay. one. That's been on 98. He knew one of them. That's fine. Come on, Bleachers is pretty good. No, we didn't put up last week's music selection. It's probably because nobody cared. Nobody cares if I'm picking <laughs> it. Nobody, nobody is remotely interested if I'm picking it. I'm getting there, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's a great radio. Here you go. See, look, Jeremy's not killing it right away like you. <laughs> See, he'll give it a chance. I like Katie. I give it all a chance. I gave it like 30 seconds last time before I was like, hmm. Let this flow a little bit. Split it. <laughs> While we talk over it or what? See, there's it, more to playing music. It's sounding than, a lot like Enya at the moment. So. There's more to playing music than just playing music. It's all situational. It's also... Because I'm the DJ, I can get away with whatever I want. People are like, oh, Jeremy's playing. It must be cool. Yeah. yeah. You're not dissing us, though. You've got a lot of gravitas on that one. We're in the... Yeah. But it's because it's my job. You're not dissing us. No, I'm not dissing it. It's fine. What is that look? <laughs> I wish we had video right there. Did your wife uh, 
to turn you on to this? No, this is me. Might be, it might be single of the week from Starbucks, but then I pick this one up. <laughs> yes. Uh, Matt Gardhoff, the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there will be no Britney Spears played inside the I will not play not a chance. Baby Hit Me One More Time. <laughs> or Oops, I Did How It How about again. Party in the USA by no, Miley? bro. No. How about this? Call Me Maybe. We're going to get that no. one in there. It's no, got some not. cool little, little sounds to it. You know what else isn't in my computer? Little elements. Selfie. Dang it. That I actually think Selfie is like, it's awful good. It's over now. It's, that song is already over. Still awful good. You what have multiple calls. You haven't shut this off either. No, I'm into it. Yeah. yeah. Take that, Katie. Suck it, Dartmouth. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I'll, I'll give you these later. I got them. No, oh, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me re-answer Matt Gardhoff's question. Okay. Because he asked, will I boycott if he requests Britney Spears inside the pyramid? Since Jeremy will not be playing music inside the pyramid, you can request whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't, like, walk out. You won't stage a walkout. No. Okay. If I play Party in the USA on this program, will you stage a walkout? Yeah. That's why I play it when you're not here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Robbie, yes, we can uh, just let me know what you need. Oh. You giving DJ services now? He's available? Yeah. Who's 972? Is that Benny? Is that Benny? It's Robbie. Who's 972? No, that's Robbie. Who's 949 is Robbie. Oh. Well, I hope it's Vinny. I really wish Blog Talk would... Uh, I know. It's so stupid. I wish you could put in numbers and save them. That would make the most yeah. sense. Wouldn't Even though nice? I see these numbers every single week. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Blog Talk. I think we yeah. get it eventually. No, well, it's, it's I could Benny. write it down, but... I'm going with Vinny. That would, that would get rid of the plausibly live aspect of this program that everyone enjoys. It's, it's us hanging out. And, like, when you're hanging out with your friends, not everything's perfect, people. We're not a highly produced program. We don't have sound engineers. We don't have production assistants to go get us coffee and that's why Geeter left you know get people ready and yeah clear Geeter's table although you might need a PA Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to point out that during that whole rant Kevin referred to us as friends (laughs) I got the birthday party invite I felt like a friend (laughs) as did I will you show up because he's not he's skipping it there's a chance but it's a really long haul from the Palisades to Rancho Palos Verdes when we're going to be at a party I gotta think. Logistics are a little questionable right now. Katie, that's figured. You know what that sounds like to me? An excuse. That's a, definitely an excuse, and also, uh, I don't have the balls to say I'm not coming. That's what that is. Kevin. I'm working on it. That's like, exactly what that was. On your balls or coming? Oh, How's your balls that you're working on? Oh, at, least mine's, at least mine's a legit excuse. My, true. My brother's getting married. It's true. Oh, well, that's you're not allowed in the temple. It's true. Going you, to can't you can't actually, actually attend go the to the ceremony. wedding. They could just pretend. They could just walk in and come out 10 minutes later and be like, we're married, and I would have no idea. You can go to the suite like, after party where they're going to serve Sprite. That will be great. Yeah. Is your brother's Mormon? Really fun. My, dad, my dad's side of the family is Mormon. That will be awesome. Be like, can I have a Coke here? <gasps> There's caffeine in that. Not a Coke. You know what you should do? You should bring a monster or a Red Bull. And just like right in front of him, just, hey, guys. I'm just going to go out, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that my mohawk, my earrings, and tattoos oh, are, are uh, rebellious, gonna be rebellious enough for the uh, Mormon community. Yeah, but that's just like the little, like, like dig the knife. And I'm not digging any knives. I'm, I'm a really nice guy. I have a great family. Okay. You like your family? Do yeah. They, do they still like you? To the best of my knowledge. <laughs> He's still invited to think. Let me, let me, let me explain so something to you. A... I am the oldest of all of my siblings. I'm also the first grandchild on both sides of my family. So okay. I let all of the other grandchildren know that I am the favorite because I was the first. And, and your they family could, still loves they you could, because you were first. Yeah, they can try to be like, oh, well, uh, we see your, our grandparents more, but whatever. They can say all that, whatever they want. 
I was the first. They liked me the best. Also gives you a lot more leeway. Yeah, true that. Are you at all hopeful that the rest of your siblings and cousins will see the light of, of uh, non-Mormonism? Say that again? What was your question? Will anyone else leave the faith besides you? Or, or is no, I wasn't... I was not raised in the Mormon faith. My siblings, I have three brothers and a sister, half. They're not half people, but they are, in the terms of how family stuff go, they are half. They're not half size. Yes, they're not half, half siblings. Size. Yes, they're half siblings. Um, but they were raised in the Mormon religion, so we were not raised the same. Okay. So right, well, that go. makes more sense. Yeah. Let's get to those guys. Get to our association with an association. Okay. And to answer Robbie's question, he's asking me about my the blacklist of songs he can't play. Yeah. If it sa- seems cheesy, don't play it. That's my blacklist. <laughs> what about Because I Got High back in the day? What? You can't play that at a public yeah. family-friendly event, Kevin? I, I again. Say, I'm just wondering, is a, that on a blacklist again, of some kind? Situational. You not like it? <laughs> situational, Kevin. That's a pretty funny song. Yeah. Oh boy. Kitty probably does college. You know but if Rob, if like Reed Pretty's out there siding out, like warming up, well, and Robbie drops, and Robbie drops, I want to get high. Yeah, it's not a good. Beat. I don't. I don't think that's going to work very well. <laughs> well just, just, just yeah. going to throw that out there. Yeah, just the beat alone, it's not fast enough. See, but again, it's situational. Ed Bond says "Magic Underpants." I just like that he wrote that on there. <laughs> Magic shoes. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant. Magic legs. Magic, magic legs. legs. You got magic legs, Lieutenant Dan. Right. Do we we have those two? Yes. They're we pro- have, I'm surprised they haven't, do we have surprised trumpets? They have, surprised they haven't hung up yet. Do we have any trumpets? There we go. There's some trumpets. The AVCA is kind enough to sponsor the College Volleyball Weekly, as they've done on this program for several years, where we spend our time talking about college volleyball. In this case, it's just about the end. We need to talk about the men on the indoor side, although we will have some sand news after this. We will talk about some collegiate sand. We have to put that on the list, because that happened this past weekend as well. Let's welcome in our experts on the men's collegiate game. We know we have Rob on the mic, Rob Sparrow. And we think we have Vinny Lopes. You yes, there? yes, you do. Yes, you do. How right are you on. doing, guys? Good morning, right gents and lady. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> a little thrown off by the area code calling in on that one. Vinny, I, I just want to know, off your Kickstarter campaign, did you blow it all on steaks and strippers, or did you have a little cash <laughs> left over the end? <laughs> no, you know, I... <laughs> as much pizza as I was able to eat, I literally think I probably ate my way to pizza. Uh, oh, yeah. Not hard to do in Chicago. Giordano? Oh, what? Connie's. <laughs> Connie's. Got it. Okay. Yeah, no, you I, think, you know, I had not, hard, some... not at all hard to eat your weight in pizza when you're in the Chicagoland area. <laughs> it's about two slices, and it's 175 pounds. <laughs> you can use your press credentials to get into all, all the good food at the venue, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so Vinny, you know, I didn't realize that you come up in the Nashville area. I thought you were somewhere in the Chicago, like Ohio area, but I didn't realize you're you're actually in Nashville, not too far from Brandon Rosenthal there. 
And so it's a, it's a good journey there up to Chicago. How did all your arrangements work out? Was Kickstarter a success? And will we see Vinny 2 Electric Boogaloo in 2015 <laughs> trying on Kickstarter again? Yeah, well, you know, it was um, an absolute success for me um, doing Kickstarter. And luckily through um, Off the Block, um, just kind of with some advertising and everything, I'd been able to raise some funds for me to go to Chicago. And I kind of Kickstarter was able to help me get over the top and they will get a plane ticket and have me uh, stay in a hotel room and not a hostel or underneath a bridge with a homeless man <laughs> trying to share a Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was it was without doubt a great success. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. You know, basically I got to spend 15 hours a day at an arena covering volleyball, interviewing people, and I just had an absolute blast. And, um, you know, I, I'm really looking at seeing how I can do uh, Palo Alto this year or coming up in 2015. So that's kind of the new goal for me as I move into the offseason, sit down and look, uh, you know, how much money is it going to take to, you know, get a plane ticket, get hotels and everything, and, uh, you know, how much money is it going to cost yeah. to ride the cable Vinny, Vinny, <laughs> just, just know this about Palo Alto, that even the bums have Wi-Fi. So sleeping under a bridge is definitely an option in Palo Alto. There's a couple right off university. When you go on university, underneath, towards the Towards the school itself, that's a nice bridge that you could stay under, no problem. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that they'll, and the they'll take all you have in. Max. Yeah, Max, <laughs> Max, and master's degrees. It's very strange. I don't. Well, Jake could hook you up with some accommodations in Santa Cruz, staying at the UC Santa Cruz Banana Slug Hotel. So, I'm sure he's, he'll connect, he'll be connected enough to get you in there. Yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the color scheme of the wallpaper in that place, and it's it's making me violently ill just imagining it. Oh, gross. <laughs> All right, so so Vinny, you get there to Chicago, you get a chance to be there for all this this volleyball and the matches and so on. Do you think that the level of volleyball at the we'll call it final six was a positive for the sport? You know, I do think it was a positive. You exclude Game Five of that Loyola Penn State match, which I think uh, Mark Pavlis after the match had the quote of the tournament when he said that Game Five set college volleyball back thirty years with the amount of service errors and attack like errors. You, you, you exclude that, and I think that was just solely based, based off nerves. You know, I really thought it was, you know, great volleyball, you know, especially the ending of that BYU-Stanford match where Stanford fought off two match points, forced in overtime, and then they were just really able to shut down Taylor Sander in that fifth game. And, I, you know, I thought it was some pretty good entertaining volleyball from that standpoint, and it was also the first time in the NCAA tournament history that both semifinals went to a decisive fifth game. Robbie, I'll get to you. You've seen the MPSF quite a bit this year. Stanford-BYU, you felt it would be a dogfight. I felt like Stanford was riding and BYU was trying to hang on. Can you break that match down a little bit for us? Well, you know, uh, Stanford came out super strong in the first set. I mean, they were hitting 667 you know, to start it off, which is awesome. And Mahalski had nine kills and zero errors right off the bat. So, And ironically, Cook was really cold. He's only hitting 200. He only had five attempts of that first set. But what ended up happening is, you know, BYU got, found their rhythm and uh, took the second and third. And what I, what I, I realized is, they were serving uh, a little apprehensively in, in that match and uh, in, at the get-go, but I think they really unloaded towards the tail end of the fourth and the fifth. And what I wanted to, to bring up here is how big was that ankle sprain of Hatch when Mahalski came out of that in the fifth set because that made it 8-9 in the fifth. And I'm thinking, gosh, your, your, your starting middle just went down and you've got to finish out the fifth. And he only stayed out for one or two points, but 
I feel like that, that had such an impact to the fifth set, and, and I'm curious what all of you had to say, uh, being that I imagine that Vinny was right there watching it happen. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I completely agree, and that's a great assessment, Robbie. I think the other thing that it also did was, you know, it broke up a little bit of BYU's momentum, but they also called a timeout right after that injury, so they were without that extra timeout that they could use to try to stifle a little bit of Stanford momentum when they began to go on their run late in the match. You know, ironically, they came out of that timeout, and they set Mahalski again, who put it down at the same right side, and he was a little tight on the net. I'm thinking, wow, there's some close contact underneath there. That could have been another injury, but, you know, uh, the way that, that Stanford pulled that out, they definitely battled super hard, and the defense was amazing to watch in that, that, that particular match. You know, uh, you know, Cook coming down the big for match point was pretty awesome. He unloaded with so much heat and uh, just made an exciting ending to that, that match. Vinny, a lot of consternation, again, mostly on this program, about the Lewis pick, but do you think they justified it with their performance in that play-in match? Yeah, I I think they did. I I think that, you know, they – it probably was not the best that Lewis had played this entire season, but I think that they really just ran into a buzzsaw with the way Penn State was playing. And you look at the performance that Aaron Russell had, you know, only four Penn State players since the Rally Tour era have put up 20 kills in an NCAA tournament match, and Aaron Russell became one of those four after his performance against Lewis. And, you know, I really think that moving into next year, especially with Russell's senior season, they have something really special growing in Happy Valley. So, you know, in terms of the Lewis, you know, was it justified, was it not, you know, what, you know, Pepperdine would have done against Penn State in that situation. We, you know, we really wouldn't know. But, you know, from my standpoint, I I still think that it was justified. It was an entertaining four-game match. If our Sisters of the Poor gets better, then maybe you'll see more Penn State players with 20 kills in a match. Uh, (laughs) Ouch. We had had a good interview with with Shane Davis here, and, and congratulations to Shane. On, on his victory and Loyola's victory, uh, a historic one for not only men's volleyball to have another team outside of the West get a national championship, but also because they've only had one national championship up until Saturday for that school. So pretty meaningful moment. Do you think that the opportunity to have success in a sport like men's volleyball is at all a, a draw for athletic directors at the sport? Robbie, start out. Oh, I would say definitely, especially, um, you know, if they see that kind of crowd on, on national TV, like, oh, wow, there actually is some money here, and people actually get out of the matches. And, you know, it's actually really athletic and entertaining watching these guys hit the crud out of the ball and, and pick up some, some hard-hit balls on defense. And, and it is a great show to watch, you know, with how fast the offense is running. It's, and it's turning into a, a huge power game with a lot of speed. And, and that, that's just like motocross, right, Barney? Uh, no, it is not like motocross. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and you know, Barney, going off that as well, I think the other point to to bring up here, you know, Loyal is well known in the volleyball community, but outside of volleyball, maybe not the most known name school. So if you have an athletic director that's from a smaller school, maybe has a big name and is looking at a school like Loyola being able to win a national championship, they're looking at this and saying, hey, you know, there's only 40, 50 teams you know, this could be an opportunity for us to win a national championship in something and bring in some big-name teams like a Penn State, like a Ohio State. 
Yeah, how good does Erskine feel about the name recognition they've gotten just from the volleyball participation they've had this year? Quite interesting. Uh, gentlemen, I want to move to next year a little bit with the two of you. And I'm looking at at the two teams that we talked about coming out of the Midwest, and it's Loyola and Lewis. Again, it seems like those teams just remain good. Yeah, you know, I think that um, Loyola, you know, they're going to have a little bit of a challenge in replacing um, Smalls, or, you know, really was the face of that team, who was the captain of that team. That's going to be a challenge. But you look at the way Jeskies play, you look at the way Caldwell plays, they're returning hunts, they're middle. I mean, this is a loaded team. But, you know, the team not to sleep on as well is coming out of Indiana and IPFW. This was a 20-win team last year. And, you know, Arnie Ball's coming back for one final season to coach this team. He was going to retire at the end of this year. But the new athletic director there convinced him to come back for one more year. They're only losing one player. You got a really good setter there in Omar Rivera, who's basically now spent two years learning under Loy Ball how to set. And then you have some exciting outside attackers as well. And they and they run a pretty high tempo fast. So you know it wouldn't shock me in the Miva coming out of it. If, you know, if Loyola is that number one team entering the season, but IPFW number two to start the season. All right, I like I'm, that army. I'm with you there on you know, Loyola. Just is is way too good right now, and they're going to come back with some pretty powerful weapons for the 2015 season. So, um, <clears throat> you know, they I just I dig the arm on uh, with Jeske, and then you got Caldwell coming back. I mean, you got some great leadership, and um, gosh, and Shane's just doing a great job, and those those boys are buying in. So it's awesome to see those guys and the level of play they've achieved under Coach Davis. Vinny, I'm going to write under the EVA. I'm going to write Penn State in giant letters. Should I write anyone <laughs> lowercase underneath it? You know, you know, you can't write Penn State, although I will say this. One team not to sleep on next year in the EVA is going to be Princeton. You know, yeah. Princeton, similar to them, they only return or they return everyone yeah. but one starter. They beat Penn State earlier in the season. And, you know, kind of a player who doesn't get a whole lot of talk, but been absolutely lights out is Cody Kessel. I think that yep. he has the potential next season to have an All-American type season. Yep. Well, Agreed. you know his dad <laughs> is documenting every bit of his career into the volleyball <laughs> vault. <laughs> yeah. And it's his senior season next year, yes? Yes. I think if I if I go to John Kessel's office at USA Volleyball, there's actually a uh, one of those those glass boxes. You, you know, you, you like it's poured clear acrylic or something, and inside of it is a tissue that was once used by Cody Kessel. I think it's a remarkable piece of volleyball history. I think he's trying to get that to the thing. Uh, How does his daughter feel? Because he's got a daughter that plays volleyball up in the NESCAC, uh, New England. The NESCAC? Yeah, she's at Bowdoin, I think. People feel angry that I call it the Miva and Eva. What about the NESCAC? The New England Nez-cac. Ball College Athletic Conference. Oh, Nez-cac. my God. NESCAC. 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 It's it sounds that sounds like I, I was having trouble with my digestive system. I need something to take that would cure it. Well, I'll just take Nesdak. We're all right. Wait, there's a lot of those in that area. Don't worry. Goodness gracious. All right. Jay had me write down Mount Olive for the Conference Carolinas. He seems to feel that they're going to be a power. Anyone have an opinion on that? You know, Mount Olive is losing their one really big stud outside attacker, attacker and Angel Duchesne. You know, he was the Conference Carolina Player of the Year. 
Um, you know, and then you look at a team like Erskine where they were able to do what they were able to do this season with a roster pretty much of all freshmen and sophomores. They only had one junior. So they're returning everyone on the roster plus some new recruits. You know, it wouldn't shock me if Erskine's able to make a little run and start growing some things. And then the other team in the conference, Carolina, that's shown significant great improvement over the last couple of years is Barden. And this was a program that they started off their program history losing their first 26 matches, but they got a new coach in there, came in year two, has really started to turn around this program, made the postseason this year. So it wouldn't shock me if they go to the next level next year and they possibly contend for a conference Carolina title. Okay. All right. That was Barton, you told me, on the end there? Yes. Very good. All right, Robbie. MPSF time. This is one that I have some knowledge of. And uh, I have a couple of real questions. I wonder about UC Santa Barbara and UCLA, what kind of year they're going to have. UC Santa Barbara, to me, a little schizophrenic in the early part of the year, but played well later in the year. UCLA was the reverse of that. They were good in the beginning and then just tailed off. What are we going to get out of those schools next year? Well, I'll start off with uh, UC Santa Barbara. You know, Coach McLaughlin did a great job with what he had this year, but I think they, they're going to have a lot more experience. We've got uh, Austin Kinji coming back. They've got, um, <clears throat> they got Jake Stahl coming back. So you're going to have some experience on the court. Jonas Safe, I mean, you cannot – he's a sophomore setter, and the experience he's got from uh, these last two years is going to be immeasurable, and it's going to be – so valuable to Coach McLaughlin and what he's running at Santa Barbara. I think having uh, Jonah Safe's leadership on the court is going to make them um, probably just as good next year. I'm curious what they're going to have at the outsides because that was the area they seemed to have um, struggled a little bit this year. They're inconsistent at the pins. When the pins are on, they were winning, and when they're off, they were losing big. So, um, But it helps to have a setter like Jonah Safe uh, running the show for the Gauchos. For UCLA, you know, that's going to be – they're losing four four starters. Um, you know, they're using Paige and Kiroga, your two outsides. But right. then again, he, he's got some incredible talent coming in. And I don't know if they're going to redshirt, if they're going to come play right away. It's just, you know, John's going to have a, a lot to choose from, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that talent, I'm looking for the kid here right now. I believe it's Los Al. No, no this is women's. But I know Arnitz. they have a kid coming in, Jake Arnitz. That's who it is. He, that yep. kid was pretty impressive last year, and it looks like I'm going to get a chance to see him this year once again in the boys' championship if uh, if his team is lucky enough to make it. But uh, I know that they're very excited about Arnitz. Well, they also have a uh, Christian Hessnauer from Dana Hills High School coming in and a setter, which I, I believe will register out of Eric Mathis. But, I mean, he's basically got some of the, the best pin hitters in, in Southern California volleyball coming up to UCLA. Now, if they decide to play that first year, We'll, we'll have to wait, but and he's got some talent coming in, so um, that's going to be huge for uh, Coach Bra and the, and the Bruins. Now, for the rest league, I, I have to say Pepperdine's looking really good. You've got Josh Taylor, Parker Kombach, Matt Tarantino all coming back, and Matt West. Um, it's hard to go against that crew. Um, they just came up a little short at the end uh, in the MPSF tournament due to some injuries, but hopefully those guys can be healthy because those guys are really fun to play. And I love seeing what Marv does on the court with the guys he works with. And, you know, they, they are big, and they run such a great offense when they're, they're, they're in system. So um, I think Pep's going to be in the mix, as well as uh, USC, because you've got Micah Christensen coming back with the freshman uh, of the year, uh, Lucas Yoder, um, and Andy Benish, who is a great freshman middle blocker for the Trojans. So, um right. 
they, they need some supporting cast, though. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they're going to be fun to watch. <clears throat> yeah, they, they definitely are looking for an opposite and another outside. They, they need some help. They need to have a good recruiting season because I don't know that the answers are there on that roster of players that on the outside are capable of hitting sub-200 consistently. What happens to BYU <laughs> for next season? Yeah, that's a good well, question. I'm actually going to touch on ben that Pat there. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So everyone's like, oh, you're losing you're, you're losing Taylor Sander. But what people aren't realizing is Brendan Sander, the younger brother, is coming in. And I've been watching right. him play in some high school matches here and some club matches. And he's he's got quite an arm swing, very comparable to where Taylor was at when he played at Corona High School in his uh, prep days. So, you know, I'm curious how quickly Brendan Center will, will develop his skills and, and get into the system, uh, McGowan system, because they, they've got an opposite core. They, they can go three deep at opposite. Now, the, who the outsides are going to be beyond Brendan Center, assuming he gets that, the starting nod, I don't know who's going to be, but they're, they're going to be good. There's no doubt. And for some reason, BYU has been able to pull that off for uh, you know, so many years. Just come out, have low expectations going into the season, and end up finishing in the top three uh, coming into conference time. Does Ben Patch come back next season? No. Another year. Another year. No, two years. Two years. Another year. Two years. They make you knock on doors. Uh, LBSU, Long Beach State, they're going to lose Taylor Crabb. Do they have anything left? Is Ammerman a senior? I can't remember if Ammerman's a senior or a junior. He's a senior. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I think uh, I'd be curious to see what Al's going to pull up uh, with his lineup. Cody Martin came up big at the tail end, and I think he's going to be a bright light for next season for uh, Long Beach State. Uh, Sato Libero played awesome this year. Loved to join him, uh, seen him play. Uh, you know, he just he's that great court sense, and um, you know, I think that the outside zone is you know they're, it's going to be tough to fill Taylor Crab's shoes and. Um, I'm not sure who they have bringing in. I know who they got coming in in 2016, um, which is T.J. DeFalco, also from Huntington Beach, plays with Brendan Sander, but they they got to wait. So um, I don't know what's going to happen to the pins. I, I'm curious who's going to work hard in the off season and maybe get you know get some solid play out. But yeah, that's a that's a big question mark. <laughs> well, and if it's anything like the women's game, if you have a kid signed for 2016, that may or may not happen. That's, uh, we're, we're really going to learn about Alan Knipe over the next couple of years and see what he can do with that program because now it once again becomes his. He took four years off before, before having the success of last year and then again this year being uh, one of the top teams in the MPSF for a while. Uh, what is Kevin, that? Kevin, can yeah, I just ask you what, what do you think is going to be more likely next season? Alan Knipe talks to you before a match or they make the postseason? Oh, well, that is a fantastic question, Vinny. Um, I would say I would say that even ex- just not next year, but beyond, from next year beyond, I would say they make the postseason again or maybe win a national championship before Alan Knight talks to me. I, would, I, think, I think that's the more likely scenario. Yeah, uh, Katie was just wondering about Stanford here, and Stanford was the senior-loaded team. It seemed like now or never for that group. Yeah, they lose quite a bit, but you know, one thing we we've found out about uh, Coach Cossie is he's able to to find talent and get them developed. And you know, I, I think he'll get a a working lineup. It may, I think he'll he'll start up slow again, like he did this year. You know, he's five hundred eight matches into the season, but they're going to find some that works. It's just the way that he and his staff work. They're able to get the 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 uh, right crew together. I mean, it helps to have James Shaw setting for you. Um, Who's he going to set? <laughs> exactly. Well, you got Spencer Haley. You know, he's, he's played great in the middle, but you need a few attackers. So, um, but looking at, at uh, they've also got a seven foot 
player who redshirted this year by the name of Kevin Rakestraw. I'm curious where he's going to end up. I know that he had, there was discussion of, of hitting opposite, which is seven-foot opposite, and uh, he played pretty well in high school ball. Um, I, I'd be curious if, if Costi came out with him in the next season. That is a fantastic name for a willowy seven-foot opposite rake straw, both things tall and skinny. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they lose a ton of power. They're going to lose uh, on both of their outsides. They lose their uh, opposite player, Mahalski, who they just came up with this year. I mean, they, it is going to be an interesting season for Stanford. I want to make sure we congratulate John Costi, by the way, on being coach of the year. Congratulations. Yes, definitely. Yeah. He, he earned that. That team, the expectations were high early in the year. They lost five five-set matches, but he really turned that group around in a way that we thought that they should have been in the early part of the year, and I think that's really hard to do is to have expectations fall short of that and then deliver come the end of the season. Yeah, you know, I think other coaches in the MCF, MPSF have, have seen, like, what Costa did strategy-wise with the team. They just stuck to basics and taking away areas and, and, and sticking to the fundamentals of, of, of game plans, like basic just taking away areas of blocking, shifting defenses over, great scouting of teams. I and mean, he definitely worked to get this team to win the way they did. <clears throat> Let's also not forget to mention Ken Shibuya in that as well. I mean, behind every uh, great head coach and head coaching award, oh, there is assistant coaching. Vinny, uh, this is this has kind of been the hurrah here for Off the Block. What does uh, off-season content look like for you? What are you putting up on Off the Block? What should people tune in for? Yeah, well, the big thing that's going to be coming up is that in the next couple of weeks are going to be the conference meetings as they begin to determine how they want to structure 2015. So you're going to look at the three big conferences. Um, the MIVA, they need to figure out the, how they're going to do their conference tournament next year because they're adding – um, Barney's new favorite team in McKendra. And so they add that team. So right now they're the only conference that has every team making the conference tournament. So they're going to need to decide whether or not they want a nine-team conference tournament or just shrink it down to six or four teams. And same thing with the EIVA since they lost Rutgers Newark, who was completed the transition from D1 to D3. They're now at seven teams. So they're going to have a little bit of debate whether or not they want to keep their conference format four or expand it out any further. And then the other area, and this is actually what's happening right now, is the MPSF is having their coaches meeting. And that's going to be very interesting to see what comes out of that meeting, especially with some of the scheduling stuff because of the at-large bid situation this year. So, you know, I want, for that one, I still expect for them to have a 22-match schedule moving forward into 2015, but it's going to be very interesting to see what coaches say and how they want to handle playing non-conference matches moving forward. Yeah, I can't wait to see McKenzie representing the MIVA when it comes to tournament time. How about how about the option of splitting into two conferences? That's something that has been thrown out there for the MPSF and try and make one of those an AQ, or both of those in that case, an AQ to the national title matches. Yeah, you know, I... But like I said, I, personally, me, I'm in favor for it. Obviously, I don't think that this is something – I'd be really surprised if we see it for 2015, but I think that we're starting to see the ball moving in that direction as things continue to play. I think that that's eventually where we're going, especially oh. if you get a couple of West Coast – more West Coast schools that decide to add men's volleyball, which there's talk that there's a couple of them that could add teams in the next couple of years. And, and it used to be the case, Robbie, when I played, we had two sides of things. And you played one side twice, and you played the other side once. 
And I remember the Weva, Eagles, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't the Weva though. It was still MPSF. If you look back to 1997, it was split, and it it didn't. It wasn't a complete split. It wasn't just separate entirely with a different name or anything. But we played two matches against one side, one match against the others, if I'm remembering this correctly. And then you would take the top four out of each and cross them over. But the problem was number five on one side was always much better than even like the number two or three on the other side. The two years that I played, there happened to be that kind of division. And I wonder if that's why the structure looks more like it does today. Yeah, you know, I, I recall this. I remember working the Bren Center for the first tournament of I, – I, one of the divisions was the Groot, the Groot division. I can't remember what the other division was, but, yeah, one side was definitely heavier with, like, the UCLA Pepperdines and, you know, uh, and then the other side had BYU and the rest, like, the Scrubs. So, um, yeah, that, that would be a tough one to, to work out. Like, right now, if you look at the, the – if you look at the current conferences that are available, that have men's volleyball available, it'd be like Big West conference teams versus the Pac-12 teams. And I think that'd actually be a really good break because if you look at the Big West, it'd be teams like Irvine, Santa Barbara, Long Beach, uh, and then of course the Pac-12 would be UCLA, Stanford, USC. Now BYU would probably end up being on our side, which I think would balance the scales as far as like the uh, the Southern California talent or the uh, the talent in that Southern region versus that region on the beach, but. Um, yeah, I think that it would. I think it actually worked really well at this time, being that volleyball has begun to spread out a little bit more, and talent is beginning to go out to these other locations now. So I don't think you'd get so much of a doormat conference as much as before. <clears throat> yeah, and maybe one of the reasons for the consolidation was the loss of San Diego State and the loss of Loyola Marymount during yeah. shortly thereafter uh, my time there in 1997. And unfortunately, the internet not so strong in 1997, kind of just coming into being, and I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the archive of the 1997 <laughs> results. <laughs> well, are you using Netscape Navigator? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's awesome. The Netscape Navigator. Oh. Right, Your Alta Vista search. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right. Hey, uh, gentlemen, anything we've missed from the end of the season here? Anything that people should be focused on leaving the men's year? Um, One thing that I think is going to be interesting, and this does tie into scheduling, and this will come out later in the summer, is if the NCAA is going to keep the – they're going to keep the 16 format, but how they do the 16 format. If they're going to continue to keep the playing games on a Tuesday and conference championship games, that Saturday, or if we're going to start to see some things shift and move some things back, just so you don't have a situation like Stanford, where you have a team playing five matches in a span of ten days. So that's something to keep an eye on that's going to be very interesting, because that could potentially shorten the regular season if they move things back a certain way. I think one thing to look for is, uh, given this uh, at-large selection process, I think uh, seeing teams from Midwest and East going yeah. uh, west again and vice versa. I think more teams are going to be more intentional from the MPSF to, to try and get some of those, those matches scheduled back uh, uh, east and in the Midwest. Um, right. And it would be great to see. I mean, that way right. we can just <laughs> catch the talent around the nation. Right on. Gentlemen, thank you for your contributions all season long. It was a fun season to watch. We love when there's a little bit of controversy, stuff to laugh about and uh, get excited about here in our program. Rob Asparrow, Jay Hasek, Vinny Lopes. We know Jay was here earlier, but thank you, all three of you, for uh, for chipping in. And, Vinny, we'll have you on full-time next year. Yes, that sounds great. (laughs) All right, right on. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great summer. 
Take Thanks, care. I'll see you at USA. Yep, see USA matches coming up. College Volleyball Weekly checking out. That is the end of the men's year. This is when College Volleyball Weekly gets to take a little bit of a break. We take it off until August. Hopefully Vinny knows he won't be getting paid, even though he's gonna be you're gonna make him call in every I think we've made it clear okay. people just, just make it we clear. at least probably will not get him parking tickets unless he parks <laughs> on the wrong side of the street in Nashville outside of his own home. <laughs> then I mean really, has anyone else ever gotten a parking ticket except Geeter? I have not gotten a parking ticket. You you saved me the one day that we did a Tuesday broadcast. Okay. You sent me out to well, that's fine. Car. That's your first time. Right. Like yeah. Geeter yeah. had got multiple tickets. I don't know how Geeter blames <laughs> me for what he did, but I mean, uh, whatever, whatever. We we did bonus him out enough to take care of that. I'm still waiting for my first bonus here. Katie, you've been here three ah. seconds. I'm still not even on the photos. <laughs> I haven't. Kevin. I don't even have a lead-in yet. <laughs> no, can, you gotta, can I? You got to put in some more dues, Katie. I got to ask Josh to upload those photos again. I know Josh hates me now. I'll talk to him. I still want my photos from what the single stuff that I did from that day. I haven't seen anything by the truck. That looked cool. First I could all, use that for my site. First of all, Kevin. Yes. He did upload those. No. Yes, he did. Not my individual stuff. How did you not notice download how he was stuff? looking at his glamour shots? Yeah. That's uh, all he was yeah. really worried my about. My glamour shots by Josh. I needed a new round. I'm still using my the old stuff on my site. It sucks. Was well, there, well, no, I, I'm sorry. Still look the that same. sucks. Was there the a shot of good. Kevin like with the? Hand underneath the chin, like <laughs> I can't put the Game pose. of Thrones stuff that we did up there. I can't put me in a, a cheetah. We belt. already we already put who wore it better, me or you. And I know, I, but and I won. That can't be a part of my broadcast website. Why not? <laughs> Here's the look I'm going for. It's a uh, sexy escort. <laughs> It'll make you stand out, Kevin. Be different. You're darn right. We have our next guest. I do way. look handsome in a cheetah cloth, and I look really short in some of those photos. But we're you sitting... are short. Katie, I'm going to mute you for a second because nobody wants to hear from you right now. Um, I, I, I realize that you're tall, Kevin. Yeah. Katie, I'm still not talking to you. And you're on mute in case you can't wonder. In case you Do you wondering. need me to tell Katie something no, for you? Yeah, in, in a moment. Like Kevin, I, would you please tell Katie? I am actually the average male size, 5'10". Uh, you have average size? Is that what you're saying? Height. Nicole and I haven't talked about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really... I'm going to mute you, too. I mean, all... I've asked you personal questions, but I yes. haven't gone that far yet. Yes. You did text me over the weekend asking me exactly how tall I am and what my waist size was. Well, you know what the next question was. Oh, I know okay. what the next question was. And the answer to that is I've never gotten any complaints. Anyways. <laughs> just, just so you just know. Just saying. Now I'm so upset, I don't even know what I was... No one can hear you, Katie. I don't even know what I was going to say now. Katie, you're still muted. Yeah. But when, like, sitting here, like, I, I know you're a tall person, Kevin, but, like, yes. we were sitting here, like, across from each other, like, it doesn't necessarily register. Even when we're walking out, you're, like, I know you're tall. Seeing those photos of us on the beach, I kept having to tell people, yes, I dug myself three feet into the sand <laughs> next to Kevin. That's the only reason he's ten feet taller than I am. It, it's not helping you that I've been going to Brick Fitness for a year and a half now, and I've, I've what are, regained. What, what are you, what, what are you uh, billing out now? What's, uh, what's your, uh, are you back to playing weight? What, what, weight no, weight? I, I'd have a hard time getting to like 210. Gotcha. I'd really have to like eat and work a couple times a day to do it. Really? Even though I you're 6'6", 6'7"? 6'6". And you're not pushing two bills? I'm over that now, finally. But it yeah, takes, yeah. My, my natural weight, if I just cruise, yeah. we're talking like 190. Okay. And it's just skinny, crappy. That's my genetics. Gotcha. I have to build into what I was as a volleyball player. I was about, I was between 210 and 215 and 6'6". Yeah. Now, not being able to put my lower body on the way I could then because my knees don't work great, that's a problem too. Yeah. So I could go full chicken, like full rooster look. 
like some of the guys full at, Guido. at 24 Hour Fitness that don't ever work out. They're like, oh, yeah. Katie, would you like to say something? You're still muted. I want to go full Guido at some point, just like massive shoulders and twigs. But uh, no, I, I, 205 is about where I'm at. Let me ask you this question. This will upset people. Like, if you don't work out, do you lose weight? Oh, quickly. Me too. Like in a week. Yeah. Me I'll too. lose three pounds in a week. Katie, would you like to would you Katie, like to say yeah. something to the people? Go ahead, give Katie. Oh, let's, let's bring Katie. Are, are, are we on, back Dartmouth. now? Are we back now, Katie? Would you like to say something? Yes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> I said every woman on earth is cursing you when you say that. But that's what happens to guys. We're out here. But you know what? Skinny fat's not good. Skinny fat is not good. Whether you're male or female, skinny fat is not cool. That was one of the highlights of my <laughs> AVP beach careers when Geeter. We were in Atlanta, and it was going game three. He was doing his under pressure routine. He got into the player's box and got in Phil's face and bet Phil for some basketball game. Like, had nothing to do with the volleyball match. Yeah. Before game three. And then he takes his shirt off. By the way, he's mic'd for TV as well. So, like, the little pack that he has with yeah. the wireless thing is all jacked up because he's trying to take his shirt right. off. And he had been doing, like, a three-week cleanse. So he's all fired up. And he's like, I used to be fat. Now I'm skinny fat. That <laughs> <laughs> was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's get to our guy here. Sorry about we, that. We sorry. have, Katie, we sorry have regaled you. him with tales now you've of our physical the prowess show. for the first time for being muted. Sorry, Kevin. Just because I called you short. Sorry. <sighs> that was the way that you said it. It was very aggressive. <laughs> Jeremy, you're short. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of harsh. You did look tiny in the photos. I, 100%. Sorry. Can't wait you're to get shorter it. than me in bear, when I'm in bear. How tall are you, Katie? 5'11". You're yep. one inch taller than me. <laughs> yes. If I put my mohawk up, though, I would be really tall. If I put on shoes, I'd still be above you. Kevin, I have a... Where does the faux mo? Oh, oh, I take it back. Oh, that it's is all there. That is mo. But you keep it slicked down all the time. Well, the sides are a lot shorter these days. They were a little longer for a while. They were negative, they? Katie. Welcome to the show. You keep it slicked down all the time. Do you ever day. go full? That's true. You go full regalia. I do not spike full spike pose. It up. I'm going to for some Halloween full foliage. Outfit, but if I barbecue, yeah, maybe for the barbecue. barbecue. It would take a lot of eggs. Work to flour. spike my hair up. Yes, eggs and flour is what people used to use. Yeah, really. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen some sweet. I've now forgotten who's calling in right now, and I apologize, Charlie Jennings, for going on my little rant today. I apologize. Oh, sorry, sorry, Charlie. You're in now. Go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. Introduce. Him. We had him on the show just a bit ago. He's the head coach over there at Keene, and they are a nationally ranked program in D3. You got to introduce Charlie last time. Today. Yeah. I got the name of the university right, Kane University. Oh, oh I said Keene, yep, didn't I? You did. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. Welcome to the party, like, Charlie. What else did you need to go with on that? Like Ball State. Greg Romano used to Everybody. tell a great story. Some guy looks over Charlie, in the middle I, of a match. I apologize that everything has been going on while you've been on hold. Charlie, this is funny <laughs> because a guy looks over in the middle of the match and looks over at the coach and says, Coach, what's happening? He goes, you're blowing it, fella. You're blowing it. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Charlie's on. He's live now since, you, since you ruined his intro. <laughs> oh man! Lead eight appearance. Oh my god! <laughs> Charlie, you yeah, know what you stepped sure. into, man. It's yeah. kind of mayhem here Sorry, today. Charlie. Sorry. That's okay. I think I can handle it. Well, at least I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kane, you guys got uh, Juniata, Juanita. We did. Juanita. Yeah, Juanita. Uh, Juniata. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, we drew Juniata in the first round there, and as Katie had said, you know, a couple weeks ago, I want to wish you luck, but I just can't, and I get that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we were playing in the gym, and uh, tough match for us, I guess. You know, I, you know, we went five, and uh, we played them back in January, and they, they slept us 3-0, and we had 
you know, of course, grown a lot during the season like everyone else, but we really feel, honestly, we felt pretty good going into the match. And, you know, we came out, we won the first set. Um, you know, I heard you ask Shane uh, earlier what he had said to his guys after they won the first set the other day. And as I'm listening to you say that, I was thinking back to uh, exactly what I did. Um, you know, because you, you go into a, uh, a building where you're playing on the road against the host in the NCAA tournament, you, you go out and you take set one. And uh, what, what I had said to my guys was, we have to almost act like we just lost. We can't, we can't get confident. We can't get too cocky right now. We need to go out there. We need to take care of business. And, of course, we proceed to lose that, too. So uh, that didn't work too well. But, uh, you know, rebounded, came out in set three, got another win, broke two to one. And uh, I credit, you know, and I said this in the post-conference, but I credit Pat and their coaching staff over there. They, they, they took, them, took them maybe three sets to figure it out, but they, they realized that we just couldn't stop their middles. Um, and uh, they just had their middles and, uh, pulled away in four, and, and five was actually not even really competitive, to be very honest with you. They pulled it, pulled it out and played really well, so I credit them. But we're, you know, we're happy with our season, but like everyone else, you know, we're not that happy, and our guys are already back at it, and we're hungry, and we want to get back and take that next step next year. So we'll see where we go. Charlie, you just watched the men's Final Four, uh, Division One Two. Did you watch that one? Uh, of course, yeah, I was there, actually. I, got to, I was fortunate enough to be in Chicago. Okay, great. So uh, compare for me, if you will, the level of play between those guys and Division Three. You know, it's, and this is a conversation we have a lot, whether it be my friends in the business or, or just, just other people in general that sometimes don't even know too much about you know, the game. I think the game is, is really the same, um, honestly. It, the biggest thing is just they're, they're bigger, stronger, and faster. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, I watched a team like Springfield who, who won their, their third national championship here, their third NCAA championship in a row this year in Division Three, And I can, I can really see so many similarities between them and, you know, the quote-unquote big boys that, we're, that we saw this weekend. Um, you know, they're running the pick. They're just not hitting it quite as close to the net or quite as high over the net like BYU and Sanders do, et cetera. But they're running, you know, we're running all the same stuff. And, you know, my team runs a pretty, pretty up-tempo we have a pretty up-tempo uh, offense. Um, we're not the biggest team in the country, so that's, that's obviously another reason why we do that. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but yet, you know, they're bigger, stronger, faster, so they're, you know, they're clearly better. How's the growth been in D3? This is what I always hear about is the amount of participation that's increasing at the Division Three level. Yeah, um, I think uh i i just you know we were at the um the ABCA conference this weekend and i think the number i heard was there's at least three or four teams coming in again next year for division 3 men's volleyball um we've added whatever 15 to 17 over the last 3 years and we're continuing to grow and um i think i think that's what we're you know we're obviously really really happy about i think there's the parity is uh because we're adding more teams the talent's starting to get spread out a little bit but it's, it's creating a lot of parity and it really just a lot of really great competitive matches um, among everyone in Division Three at this point. I mean, there's a lot of high-quality teams, um, and uh, I think the growth is, is, you know, I don't think anyone can argue that that's a bad thing. I think it's great, and we're all happy to see where it's going. We were talking earlier about scholarships and, and what kind of effect increased scholarship support for programs, a funding level increase, would have on Division One and, and the competitive balance between EVA, MEVA, MPSF. I wonder if scholarships were to go up, the offerings were to go up at the Division One level, what would the effect be on D3? Oh, I don't think there's any question that it's going to take its toll a little bit because you're, you know, some of those kids, 
you know, like you guys had talked about earlier, I mean, there's there's four and a half, we have four and a half scholarships that's quote unquote fully funded for a Division One program. So, you know, inevitably, there's guys in that gym that are just not getting any money, but they, you know, they want to experience it, they want to be part of it. But then, there's guys on, you know, I have an All American on my team that if he were to get an offer to go play somewhere and get some money, that let's be honest, I mean, those kids are going to start to look at those Division One schools. So, that may may actually have, uh, you know, I don't want to say negative effect, but it's going to definitely going to take a toll on Division Three volleyball a little bit because some of those top kids that are playing in D3 are going to be drawn to those D1 schools if they're getting offers. How complex is the issue of getting university support, whether it be the D3 or other levels, and the idea of adding a program? We on, on this show all the time want a Nebraska or a Texas to add men's volleyball. It seems like an easy add. It, it, take out the, the gender issues, but just an easy add as far as what it takes financially to run a volleyball program if you already have an analogous women's program. What are some of the, the challenges and how complex is it dealing with the university structure? I think, you know, we're, we're only a fourth-year program, and I was not here when the program got started. Um, but, I, I, you know, from having conversations with people, whether it be the previous coach who started the men's program, who was also the women's coach, a um, couple conversations with the administration, you know, it, it, like you said, I mean, we have the women's program in place. Financially, it's really not a big deal. I mean, we have, you know, we have the net, we have the poles, we have the, you know, the gyms there. We're not, you know, so financially, it's not the biggest burden. Um, but I think when you're talking, you know, for example, now Texas, you know, you're talking Texas, Nebraska. These are big time programs, obviously, big time athletic programs in general. Um, so, but I think it's going to be you know, travel is going to have to play into it a little bit. You know, yeah. um, that for especially, you know, it's almost like we need to get a few teams to almost make a sacrifice so that more teams will, will see a need to add it. Um, it's almost they have to be the sacrificial lamb, kind of deal with the travel for two or three years until more teams see that and then decide to add, you know, and kind of kind of grow the Division One game from there. That would be the way I would look at it. Um, but, you know, right now, Texas, who's Texas going to play? I mean, they're going to be traveling all over the place, obviously. Um, Nebraska, I mean, the Midwest has got their programs, but, you know, a team like Texas, for example, I mean, where are they flying every week, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so that's definitely going to take a toll on on, uh, on a program like that. But, you know, if, if a team like Texas, for example, were to get a program, kind of deal with it, like I said, for two or three years, and then, you know, then you start to look at the other schools in the area that may be thinking, well, you know, this was on the table, and now maybe we can, you know, if you get quickly get eight, eight teams to go with the next three years in Texas, then all of a sudden now you have another conference, you know, and you kind of go from there. But obviously there's a lot of logistics and details, and I'm not an administrator, and I don't pretend to be, but um, – you know, it would be a challenge for sure. All right, before we let you go here, Charlie, I just wonder with the meetings going on with the MEVA, the EVA, the MPSF, Vinny talking about some of the issues there, what are the pressing issues for D3 coaches? I, I think it's uh, – I think scheduling is important. Um, I think, you know, it's just trying to get our kids to play the best teams possible but keeping in mind that they are Division three athletes that they're doing this because they love it. You know, they are just like Division One. They're student-athletes, um, and their academics, you know, need to remain in our minds as far as the coach is concerned. Um, you know, we don't want to be on the road every weekend traveling, and, you know, we obviously try to limit our, our travel during the week as much as possible. Um, and I think that, you know, but, but on the other hand, you want to get your team the best competition possible so that come April, you know, they're battle-tested, they're ready to go. And uh, it's something I think most Division three coaches do a pretty good job of. Um, I know, you know, we've played – I think it was 11 of the other 14 ranked teams in the country this year at varying times throughout the season, uh, but yet still felt like we were resting in a good position at the end of the year. Uh, so 
I think that that is, something, that is a pretty big challenge um, for most coaches in D3. All right, you going to put it to Charlie in Springfield next year or what? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I would never bet against the man. You know, I got to hang out with him a lot this weekend. He's a great coach, obviously. I think nobody's going to deny that. Uh, they are coming to our gym for a tournament. It's the first time we'll play them in our building, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll go from there. All right, Charlie Jennings, head coach at Kane University. Thanks for joining us once again, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll see you. Bye. It's uh, it's all men's volleyball program right now. My goodness, we championship. Yeah, no doubt they deserve it. it. Well, they deserve it. That's what happens when you have a championship. I want to come back and talk about some collegiate sand. Okay. Briefly, beach, ABB. I want you to, FIVB. Yep, we want to talk about that. So we'll have some beach talk on the other side here. But before we go, I want you to remember that Six Eight Clothing Company has come on board with the Net Live. They are ca- casual clothing designed by a tall man for a tall man. And you may wonder why that's important. Well, if there's a tall man in your life, you probably know that there are some things about regular clothes that just don't fit right. And there's a couple of things that only a tall man would notice. For instance, the zipper, the handle for the zipper, bigger on 6'8 jeans, easier for large hands to grab and to find when they most need it. When you're in a hurry, you've got to go. There's no time to waste. You're searching for the tiny little zipper. It's just one more way that 6'8 is different. Dress well, live tall. 6'8 Clothing Company. That is 6'8ClothingCompany.com. You can go to 6'8ClothingCompany.com. That's within 8. And they're on also on Amazon.com in order for the tall man in your life. I almost muted myself. Katie I can't handle it. She's about to cry. Well, it's, it's how you wear things, Kevin. All right. Let's go to commercial. Yeah. We, six eights, awesome. Period. No doubt. Look, I it, have... look at it. Want to see my big zipper? No, I don't, actually. Big zipper right here. There's the little handle. That's, that's the big handle. It's right awkward, there. everybody. It is awkward. Look at my big handle, Jeremy. Awkward. <laughs> we'll be right back really? on the show. Some beach talk. Oh, my God. Besame. <laughs> Que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez suave besame besame suave besame otra vez suave yo quiero sentir tus labios suave
We're celebrating Cinco de Mayo here. Instead of C, instead of <laughs> instead of Cinco de Cuatro, Arrested no. Development style Cinco de Cuatro. Oh boy. Welcome back to TNLO here on Cinco de Mayo. Appreciate you being here, Kevin Barnett, along with DJ Jeremy Ruche, and of course the lovely Katie. She's not upsetting me. I'm muting her. <laughs> that was very mean. Uh, yeah, your tone was, was very mean, Katie. I was trying to text in the in the off commercial there, and I I want a six eight phone now because my text messages at times have gone completely awry. At one point yesterday, I typed the same word no less than five times and got it wrong each time because you want a big zipper. Something phone? was wrong with this. Is that was happening. I need a larger phone with large buttons for my ridiculous flat thumbs. All right, six eight clothing company dot com. Go there. I feel Do like it. I've Do it. looking at our. Uh, Facebook page and stuff like that when we post it, like they've been getting, looks like they've been getting some interaction on our Facebook page, so I'm hoping that that's translating to them getting more orders. TNL 10, 10% off. You're welcome. And this is good stuff. I, I swear to you, I'm wearing it right now, as I am most days. I'm I'm you, stoked on the product. Why are you pointing to your junk when you look at it? <laughs> it's a really good thing there's a the video in the studio yeah. right now. I got some other, I got some other product going. Oh, boy. Why are you showing me your underwear now? I've yeah. learned far more today than I ever needed to. Thank you very much. Only From we, both of you. Only we had a video show. All right, let's get the, you got somebody on the line there. Eight one four. Yeah, Hossack. he's calling back right quick. Jay Hosick checking back in because he has one last. After you point tried to, to shut make. him down. Orderly, Orderly. Orderly. All right, Jay. You were you were wanting to make one last point before you went and fired half your team, but now that you've uh, played the reaper, is that a put us on hold situation? Hold on, guys. I'll be right back. You've done your up in the air impression. All right. That was my Nick Lewin impression. No, I had, hey, listen, we aren't winning, so we must not have done our job. I had to fire half the team. So, Kevin, you know. damn right. We'll clean it up over there, Pav. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when here, here, came out that Pav said that, you know, that set, set us back 30 years in the sport of volleyball, I can see Pav saying that. That is, that is Pav, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he said it a number of times, too. It was uh, quite funny to see the two best servers in the country miss the first two serves, but... Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Hey, uh, here was my thought, and uh, I'll leave you guys with this. There are some dominoes moving, and in the sport of men's volleyball being a niche sport, I thought John Costi in his post-match interview uh, said it best, that there are a number of good boys players across this country that are looking for places to go. Somebody asked the question, why is it that the Midwest and the East Coast are all of a sudden getting better? And his response was, it's not that they're just now getting better. It, they've always been good, but there's more kids moving around the country to play in other schools. There needs to be more opportunity. There needs to be uh, more teams because these kids are scrambling for somewhere to go. And you see these rosters that are 22, 23 players deep. And, you know, some of those kids can go other places, which is why you see the Conference Carolina is expanding. And I'm part of a group right now of some of the biggest and best minds in the country, and we're, we're actually actively seeking out places that we can expand this game. And I couldn't be prouder to be a part of it. I, I'm not sure how much of it can be public yet. But let's just say that there is, there is a movement. There are people trying to contact ADs, trying to contact coaches, and trying to start programs. And it's a real... Um, it's a real specific uh, channel or avenue that we're going down. We're not just buckshotting across the country. So uh, super stoked. And maybe in the future, near future, I can call back and discuss more of it and get everybody involved. But for the most part, that's, that's really it. I, I'm just I'm bummed I missed the show. I'll probably go home and listen to it on, 
on podcasts, but uh, you know, it, there's the dominoes are wobbling, people, and uh, we're, we're hoping for bigger and better things in the future. I like it. It's available on iTunes for free. You can go and check it out. We had some fun with Vinny and Robbie right off the start, so you might want to tune into the College Volleyball mm-hmm. Weekly. Uh, it it would have been cool fun to have you in there as well. Question is, Jay, well, when do you get cool. back in the studio? Yeah, yeah uh, you know what? That's a really good question. I'm I'm going to be out that direction Jay. in the next month or so for recruiting, so I will be out there. Jay, the seventeenth yes. of May. Are you here? Seventeenth of May. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Oh, you're invited. Why? You got the invite. It's my fortieth <laughs> birthday party. What, I expect what, what, you and, what, and Stephanie to be here. Oh, is that the is that the backyard uh, breaking in party? No, this is the, the actual birthday party. The actual birthday party that Katie is skipping because she doesn't want to drive down the, yeah, the, the freeway. Yeah, it's too far for me to drive down the <laughs> and, can't be there. and Jeremy has, has a legitimate excuse. He has to go and try and get back in the tabernacle. Yep. Uh, but, <laughs> Jay, you're supposed to be there. I don't know. Where did your – you should have had at least two invites by now. I, I, I have not checked my emails. I've been in meetings all day firing guys, Kevin. Don't you remember? But uh, I can understand why Katie doesn't want to make the drive. It'll be 18 hours just for her to get down there. <laughs> you could fly here quicker than she could drive the 20 miles down the hey, coast. That's however, Hasek, if you and the wife make it in, I, I will oh. We'll oh, figure it, it out. Oh. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, it's oh. Let me clarify what Katie like said. Yeah. Jay, if you make it to the party, I'll be there. But if not, Kevin, I'm not coming to celebrate your 40th birthday. That's just what I'm <laughs> under the bus all day That's today. what was said right now. It's all about me making it. Well, if I make it and you both aren't there, then I will hunt you down and beat you like the redheaded stepchild you are. <laughs> is is the big spoon going to make it out, Kevin? I have to refinish it this week. What does that mean? I, it, it's big sitting spoon. outside. It it looks when it's done when it's done with varnish and like yeah, it sanded. Looks it looks, it looks like a beautiful gigantic baseball bat. Yeah. Except the spoon and it holds thirty six beers. So I have to refinish no, no the entire joke. thing. Okay. And how much no does joke. this thing weigh? No joke, it does. It weighs about 50 pounds yeah. empty. It's, and when I say big spoon, more. it is a big wooden spoon. It is the biggest wooden spoon you've ever seen in your life. You need multiple. Oh. The whole. No joke. And it, I need it's pictures homemade. of that. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll get them to you. We'll get the big spoon out there. Because this, this goes back to somebody telling a really lame story and people deciding in my friend group that we were going we to make the story better and build a giant spoon. And you did. We did. Congratulations. So <laughs> we, we actually are. We, are. we are team spoon. We are people of the spoon. That's who our, our little group is now, too. It's pretty funny. People of this is that a cocaine good or something? The people of <laughs> it's meth that comes out of a spoon. That's how you freebase meth. All right, anyways. Uh, oh, speaking of which, let me tell this story. Welcome let me to tell the this net story live, while everybody. we have Jay. Welcome to the net live. So yes. I am in Vegas this weekend at the Hard Rock Hotel, which is always a circus anyway. But I come out of my room Saturday morning. I'm getting a workout before I go and work on, on the project during the day there. I come out my room at about 7.30. Start walking down the hall. There is a guy. I kind of pass him because he's got short legs, about Jeremy's size, and I blow by him. And you can't mute me now. See? See what happens when you upset Jeremy? You get muted. I know. All right. Oh, he's back. So I get down the hall. Long arms. And from, as I'm going down the hall, I hear from behind me, ice, 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 I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm thinking it's the chick. It's, a, it's obviously a woman. It's some chick with a guy behind me, and I'm like, I don't even know. That's insanity. You're in Vegas. So you I don't keep know walking. Happening. Could be anything. Yeah. You know, I'm walking down one of those halls that looks the same for yep. about 900 feet. So I get in the elevator. Somehow the guy makes it around the corner. The door's still open. Somehow the chick makes it around the corner. She, she's coming. Ice, 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 ice. And she gets in, 
and she's laying against the, the side of the elevator, like, I, 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 I gotta get to the fifth floor. And the guy there, who at, now I Saturday morning out, at what Saturday time? morning, 7.30. I figure out now the guy's not with her because he goes, honey, you're on the fifth floor. Oh, he's in on the fifth floor. Like, she's got her phone half hanging out of her ear. She's a complete mess. And she goes, ice, 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 ice. And she's laying there. I'm like, what the hell is happening? She goes, I just want to smoke some ice. And at that point, it hit me. Uh, is that mess? Uh, yes. Is smoking ice? ice yeah. It's and a, it's it seemed a form like from her demeanor, everything I've heard, like, that's what mess does to you. You're just a flipping mess. Yeah. Uh, you're putting together art. You're like, you're like gluing shit together. And you're like, oh, oh, that's art. Drink. Wow. You know? Maybe she good. was looking forward to going out to Jeremy's DJ party at the hotel. Yeah, no doubt. I just thought she was like overheated or something. Needed a cold needed, drink. She needed a bucket cold. of ice on the fifth floor. I thought she was looking for the ice machine at some point, and she was just messed up. I didn't realize that, that she, was she was actually looking for a And drugs. looking to be messed up. My God. What a Oof, Welcome to Vegas. Man. What All right. A mess. That's my Vegas story for the weekend. Good times. Thanks for calling in, Jesh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for having me for the end part of hey, the show, guys. I'm going to go. Jay, we, we had the guys on before. just want to say thanks for a year of great information and laughs. We do look forward to having you in studio next time you are able. Please say hi to Pav and tell him we'll try to get those boys. back soon. And girl. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you All guys right. soon. Jay Hosick, right. checking out. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Yeah, Korean tacos served last night at Jay's house. Looked really good on Facebook. Yeah, he posted a photo. And checked yeah, out. I told him, here's the deal. I will host... The, the break-in party, the uh, Hossicks can come, but Stephanie's cooking. Yeah, only when she's and he in said, town. he said deal. So. Only way Katie's coming so up, apparently. So maybe, maybe you'll be at Temple when that's happening. I don't know. You probably won't want to come. <laughs> uh, so NCAA Sand. Yep. We can talk about that, but first, uh, we have to talk about FIVB Sand and the fact that I still can't read their website worth a damn. This is one of the worst... This is one of the worst websites that I have to frequent. And this has been said before on this program, but it's, it's so bad F-I-V-B? that I have to say it again. Their website stinks. Who are we talking about? FIVB. Oh, it's, it's a gigantic it, organization it, it with is. almost limitless resources. No, awful. They are really somehow awful. unable to actually get some clear results on the front page of the freaking FIVB Beach website. There's no rhyme or reason. Show me the tournament. Show me the results tab. And then put them in order. Don't show me when I click on... Oh, look at the main draw. I don't care what the whole freaking main draw looked like. Show me who finished where so I can look at it and go, Oh, Ludwig and Valkenhorst, they finished third or fourth or whatever. Come on. You know who is rectifying that situation? It would be a website called Spiketown.com. Spiketown. Yep. Thank you, Matt Gardhoff. I look forward to that being fixed because this stuff. Freaking nightmare. It's Spike. since we're all part of it, so we don't really have a... Yeah, but it's Spike... Um, Dash town. Dash town. Yep. Com. Not underscore. Do not hold down the shift key. Spike dash town dot com. And that site's just going to get better. That's Especially where you want to go. We're all involved. And they're going to have the results in there in a clear manner that you could actually read. Uh, interesting results from the FIVB. Uh, summer and day. I don't know where they finished. I can't see here. Which which tournament? I'll tell you right now because all right, tournament. Right Shanghai. Oh, Shanghai? The yeah, because I, I know April and, April and Carrie won, won the first one. Fuzu? How do you pronounce that? And this one, they were out early. Well, the men on the men's side, it was Italy, both tournaments. There were two tournaments over in China. Um, not all of the U.S. teams, men and women, played in both. But Carrie and April did play in Fuzu. And then in Shanghai, I think they finished fifth, if I am correct. I will look right now. Yeah, they finished fifth. Uh, Germany, China, Brazil. 
top three. Who was the German team? Uh, I think I just said it. Ludwig and Valkenhorst. Don't say Valkenhorst. I was about to. Valkenhorst yeah, to V. There you go. Yeah. That's like it's not Strabi. Yeah. It's not, you're not on a Strabi. You're on a Stavasa. Yeah, Emily. Even though it's a giant B. Emily and Summer finished ninth. Lauren, Fendrick, and Brooke Sweat also finished ninth. And then we had some teams that didn't make it out of the qualifier. Here's here's something interesting. And now they're all happy to be back in the United States eating real food. <laughs> well, yeah, they they are back. Um, and, I, and I can't call Carrie an April walrus. I can't do it. <laughs> That's what some people are doing. Matt Gardner. Walrus? Push it. Yeah. The W-A-L-R-O-S-S. I, I like it, actually. Nope. I think it's pretty... Can't I, do it's it. ridiculous fun in my mind. Katie, as a female, would you want to be called a walrus? Not a chance. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I know that. I, I mean, I, obviously, I know that, but it's kind of fun to think about that. Stop what you're saying. Walrus. Stop. Funny. Stop. Just stop. All right. I'm looking here. Pepperdine, Pepperdine won the 2014 ABCA team championship. They did. This year would be a Southern... Peeper Dine. Another Southern California team. So congratulations to Nina Matthews. Congratulations to the Peeper Dine squad. And the individual go. champions this year were Kirby Burnham and Sarah Hughes from USC. USC. Fight on. Fight on. So you know that was front page news on spike-town.com. Congratulations to uh, Andrew Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you go? His yeah. team? Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. I got updates here. Here's where to go to edit the page. Here's where to go to the thing. I like it. Spike-town.com. That's where you need to Why? go. I like that they Sarah have a cool Hughes. little logo as well. Younger sister of Connor Hughes. Yeah. Yes. You see your Vines Connor Hughes? That I don't know. It's Hughes. probably in my notes. It's a lot somewhere. of volleyball in the spring for that family. Yeah. There's a lot of families like that. It's it's a nice thing about volleyball is that it is such a family sport. It is an awesomely family sport. The show, not so family friendly, but the sport, very family friendly. Hey, we got to be entertaining, not just family friendly. We can't just have Barney the Dinosaur on here. You've got to have Barney? Barney the Grumpy TV the host. But <laughs> instead. Yeah, Gulf Shores, Alabama playing host once again. And this has turned into a really fun event. It's a neat place to go. They have restaurants right there. It's uh, It has really nice weather, nice sand. It's it's a place you want to be. It's in Alabama. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but people think Alabama. They think of like the kudzu-infested, uh, fireworks shop-covered yeah. part outside Birmingham. But if you go all the way down south, you find yourself in an area that looks quite a lot like Florida, because that's what it's close to. Beautiful down there. Yeah. That's and inexpensive, which is, I think, a big reason that they chose it. And it's been a great venue because teams can get there and... It's not an expensive place for families to come see people play. And I was very close to that location when I was gone last week. I was in uh, Destin, yeah. the Emerald Coast in Destin, Florida. And their beaches are very white, soft and supple. Mm-hmm. Soft oh, and God, supple. <laughs> now, I'm seeing here that the men were in Shanghai as well. Yes. Well, let's back so up the, a little bit. The Italians won. Germans in third, right? Yes, but back up. So the first tournament... Italy won again as well. Oh, I see. You're saying Italy won those two tournaments. Yes. I got you. It wasn't in Italy. Italy won both tournaments. Correct. I got you. Well, hey, Barney, we'll get a, up on our beach there's challenge. a challenge for you on the... Uh, challenge. On the a challenge? Uh, by Matt, By Matt Gardhoff. <laughs> What's it going to take and for you? for anybody who's uh, listening and not seeing this right now, Matt Gardhoff just threw down the challenge. If Barney would dress up like Barney the Dinosaur for the barbecue, my life would be complete. Over, done, mission accomplished. Add the holding of a 44-ounce smoothie cake. <laughs> <laughs> really be in it. Awesome. I, I almost 
tore down the little banners out front of Smoothie King when I was going through Dallas-Fort Worth last week on my way to New York. I wanted to take Smoothie King and just knock over some banners and sprint down the terminal. But I can't really sprint that well anymore. So uh, I have to find some other form of protest. Um, but back to the men's side. Shanghai. Yes. Philip and Rosie finished fifth Philip. after not doing that well in Puzu, if I hope I'm saying that correctly. Jake and Casey. Sure. Jake and Casey finished fifth as well. And then you can refer to them as their lucky losers. Triborn and John Hyden finished ninth, which I call them lucky losers because they didn't do very well in the qualifier, but however that all works out, they made it to the main draw mm-hmm. and then finished ninth. Okay. Um, and Nick and Avatar finished 17th. Okay. So good uh, goodbye, Try and John. Their first Grand Slam together as a team. Way to go. Yeah. All right. And keep your eye on that Rosenthal Dahlhauser partnership. Let's see yeah, how it people, goes. There's, people are panicking. What yeah, I've heard is that okay. Rosie is on. Rosie has now moved to the right, and Phil is staying on the left. Okay. Which that was the opposite of what they did last year. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but I know everybody's back now until the first AVP event, which is in a few weeks in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, at the end of the month. So we'll try and get somebody next week. Yeah, Jake Specker Gibb, who's been ducking me. Okay, cool. He owes me, actually. Last time I went to him, he said, next time you need me, I will call in. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's get us off the air here. Finally. Uh, Volbecue, make sure you get your tickets. Go on to Volbecue on Facebook. Right? Well, and the $25 includes your ticket to the game, so definitely. <laughs> Dude. And, and Matt, it, you went last year. It's a blast. Well, as Matt Garthoff pointed out, 25 bucks can't get you parked and or inside Staples Center. Nope. <laughs> no. You want to go to a game there, it's going to cost you almost 25 bucks to park, much less get in get in the door. Okay. Barbecue is going to be fun. Yep. They do have a noise permit, so I can blast people in the front now. Where cool. They, they weren't allowed to have amplified sound. Now they are. Get your tickets for Barbecue. Get your tickets for World League. If you're in Long Beach first weekend in June, you're there. If you're in Chicago the next two weekends, you better be there. I'm bringing all my Supercross people because the company is drink. based in Chicago. Drink, 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 drink. So drink. they're all coming international volleyball. Drink. We're going to convert them right back the other way. Right back. Come on. Look, I will support Supercross if they support volleyball. Drink. Supercross. <laughs> it's Cinco de Mayo. Let people get their money's worth. Supercross. Seriously, when is the day we're actually Supercross. going to have an evening show and <laughs> where we can drink. lined up? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Reed will want to be involved. It's the one he'll actually show up for. We will have to have Uber sponsor it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Okay. That Thanks for sense. listening to it live. Thank you to everyone who has contributed this season to the College of Volleyball Weekly, Robbie, Jay, and Vinny. We appreciate that. Thanks to the coaches for coming on today, Shane Davis as well as Charlie Jennings. Congratulations, Shane Davis and Loyola once again on your success. Congratulations to Cody Caldwell for being the mop. It's uh, It's been fun hanging out with you guys. Thank you to both of you for coming down. Katie, thanks for driving two hours and uh, coming to the show. For your birthday. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll see about I'm that. I'm working on it, all right? Mm-hmm. Don't throw me under the bus yet. Fifth of May. You uh, do or you don't. You know, next week. Uh, next week's in doubt. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it's in play. Like just in general or for the show? <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> Is it something I need to know? Like I need to get my earthquake kid out? I've got, I've got like three things or? overlapping. It, it could either be mass insanity or a week off. We'll Dogs and cats living together. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have a national championship hangover. We might all just take a little bit of a break. And you have a Donald Sterling situation still happening. Don't know, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. The Net Live on a Monday. Thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Get us via iTunes. Check out 6-8 Clothing Company. Remember, TNL10 gets you 10% off at 6-8ClothingCompany.com. That is 
all letters and the number eight inside that web address. We appreciate their involvement with this program as well as the AVCA and Volleyball Magazine. We'll see you again on the Net Live.